What's up, guys? Another week. You know what that means. It's time for the Dry Heat Podcast with your hosts, Houston Hans. As always, brought to you by our unofficial official sponsor, Canadian Mist, a blend known for its mellow character and smooth taste. What's up, boys? It's uh, Cuse of the Cuse and Hans show here. Uh, just real quick, this week, Alec is unfortunately on the shelf. You know, he's trying to study and ish. But we'll get him back on soon. No problemo there. But in the meantime, your boy Cuse pulled a 200 IQ move and got two, not one, two five-star guests on for this week. First up, we got your boy Jordan Bruner. Fantasy legend, GM. I mean, this is the type of guy that you would want running your baseball team in the front office. No doubt. Followed up with our next five-star guest. First time appearance, long-time listener, he told me. Uh, apparently an F1 guy, but we won't hold that against him quite yet because F1, you know, is kind of lit, actually. If you haven't checked the Netflix series, you know, maybe worth your time, honestly. Worth your time. Uh, Matthew Gene Harris steps up to and uh, boys, we made it a little bit long because one, the five star guest brought it this week, and then two, weekend edition, baby. As these guys knocked it out of the park, there was nothing I could cut. So appreciate it, boys. Thank you for listening. Without further ado, here we go. Three receivers to the right. Cardinals trail by four. They're out of timeouts. Eleven seconds left in the game. First down at the Buffalo forty-three. Now the Bills drop two men back 25 yards downfield. Murray back to throw, flushed out, rolling left in trouble, slips a tackle, got to launch it. He does. Left side, into the end zone, jump ball, and it is. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh, my goodness, it's caught. DeAndre Hopkins caught it. He caught it for a touchdown with one second left. I can't believe it. You've got to be joking me. Hopkins reaches up with three defenders around him and pulls it in. And the Cardinals lead it 32 to 30 with a second left. You can't cover Duke. You're not going to be able to cover him. Throw the ball off. That's what Kyler Murray did. He extended the play with his legs and just chucked that thing up into the air. Into the desert sky, baby. And D-Hop brought it down. Touchdown. Crowd are looking towards an alley. Oh, puts it down. He puts it down. It's over. And they're trying to say goaltending, but that's a live basketball. He can finish it. It's 2-2. 
picks, and the bases are loaded. Into the lifetime for Luis Gonzalez. 2-2, bottom of the ninth, game seven of the World Series. Bases loaded. Yo, let's now we got fantasy baseball, football, basketball, hockey, any type of sport. This guy's got the answer. Fantasy legend Jordan Bruner joins the Dry Heat Pod. How are we doing, sir? Doing well, man. How are you? Dude, I I'm not as good as you, honestly. I mean, first place in fantasy baseball. I mean, what does that feel like to be on the top of the heap all the time? Feels good, man. I mean, it, working hard for it, of course, but uh, feeling optimistic about okay. Uh, this Do you feel good team. about your team? Yeah, I got some uh, some guys ready to come off the injured list. Chris Sale, a few guys lurking on my bench that uh, I think are really gonna fill in the holes. So dude, watch I, out, dude. I you know, low key, I'm super salty about you snagging both Robert and Eloy Jimenez from the Sox. I was eyeing it up to get Robert literally like probably five minutes before you picked him up yeah well he he I drafted at least so at least if you know it kind of feels like coming back home in a way but uh yeah I got lucky on Eloy I think Andrew dropped Kettle like right before uh news came out that he was coming back so stocked up on a few few hurt guys I love it well and then you even got Chris Sale for down the stretch I mean Eloy Jimenez I mean the White Sox are contenders obviously Robert there too I mean that's stolen bases that's power that's an outfield and I, and I bring that up to start us off here because we're talking about GM skills you know like when you're eyeing up a team and I think a lot of us Arizona D-backs fans have some questions about general manager Mike Hazen at this point in time. He's been the GM for about four years now, I believe, since 2017. He's done some good things. Obviously, got the J.D. Martinez trade for basically nothing. Got us, you know, at least, you know, we did some – we did well with J.D. Didn't resign him. You know, is that is that on Ken Kendrick? Is that on Mike Hazen? Tough to tell, you know. But now four years later, another trade deadline passes – I just kind of want to hear your general thoughts on how you're thinking Mike Hazen's doing. Maybe, you know, some moves you just, you know, as a fantasy legend yourself, you're just like, wow, I would never do that. And so I'll, I'll just leave the floor there, maybe. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's been a tough year. Um, it, You know, I don't have as many stats to defend him as I feel like I did a couple years ago. So <laughs> it, since it's getting harder, um, I, I don't know. I, I still have some faith. Um, I've definitely, I think, lost faith in Lavulo. That's kind of a separate conversation. I'd be okay with like a new manager. Um, but like looking back on the state that we were in when he took over, like at the start of 2017, I still think we're kind of in better shape than we were then. Um, it definitely doesn't feel like it this year, but you look back on like 2017, 18, 19, they did pretty well, all things considered. Um, obviously, like at some point, you know, the, the most recent results become what's most important. Um, and so I think my question is like, is this a fluke season or 
do they find some way to do what they did in years like 2019, where despite not necessarily like a ton of talent on the roster, they managed to be like a 500 team, keep people interested, have a few good players. And I think that might be like some of the thinking behind keeping guys like David Peralta uh, and Merrill Kelly. Overall, I guess, I, I wasn't totally surprised that they uh, didn't go for the fire sale, but I was a little frustrated uh, where like, I don't, I don't really see the point of keeping like Estrubel Cabrera or Cole Calhoun on the team. Um, maybe we just didn't yeah. get really well, any offers like- for them. It's like we've been very good, but it's, those are the ones that I, I was a little more disappointed in. No, I think that's 100% accurate and totally fair. But it's like, you know, even to that point, it's like, oh, maybe we didn't get the best offers offers for his Drupal or Cole Calhoun or, you know, Madison Bumgarner. But also you got to look at the team and be like, you know, are those guys are those guys even worth anything? And, you know, maybe the fact that they're not worth anything, the contenders might make you look even – maybe even that's a ding on my case. And it's like, yo, you, got, you can't even get any guys in here that's going to get us something at the deadline. Like we have all these guys that we picked up that nobody even wants, you know? And so, but uh, I think that's a great, I think like what you said there is like Mike Hazen's tenure is so interesting. And I feel like it's happened every single year, except for 2017 when we got JD Martinez and we actually made the playoffs. But even going into that, I think the beginning of that season, we were like struggling. And then we did, like, a big playoff push, and, like, we got in. And which, like, if you're a D-backs fan, you make the playoffs, like, that's that's tight. Like, we'll take that. It's only been, like, four or five times at this point. <laughs> and so, but every season, it always seems like either it's, like, like a super cold streak at some point, or, like, when we're making the playoff, like playoff push in, what, what year is that now? 2019, and we lose, like, the final eight of 11 and get pushed out or um, even the beginning of this year, when you're looking at it, you're like, Oh wow. Like, do we have something going here? Like you got, I, it looks like gallons a stud. Mad bum looks like he's like maybe gaining some form like weavers looking. Okay. And then just the shoe drops and the team just gets decimated for whatever reason. We're now literally the worst team in baseball. And it just seems like this entire tenure whether it be like getting Starling Marte to go for a push, getting Cole Calhoun to go for a push in 2020, whether it be, you know, like not re-signing J.D. Martinez, but then going to get Sousa Jr., who's like a very similar prototype player. It just seems like every move that Mike Hazen makes, it's like it's a going for it move and then we suck. Or it's like we're trying to suck and then the team's just picking it up. Yeah, and – I think my, my criticism on that point is like, the, like you said, the wheels have really fallen off this season and maybe some of that's a management issue. Maybe some of it's like you don't have enough depth uh, beyond like, you know, the top 20 players in the system and you just don't have a very good bench. You didn't necessarily have many good players in AAA. Um, I know that's something that in some sense, a function of like not having good draft picks for the, years before he showed up but it's also like if you're going to make a push how hard is it to like sign a couple you know minimum contracts or like veteran minor league contracts where you get a few guys in in triple a like a few starting pitchers um that can come into a situation like this and you don't end up with like Seth Frankoff and like all these other random people pitching games like 
um, that are like clearly you know, double A. Like they're like not they shouldn't even be sniffing the big leagues. Like you're just out there watching them. Like wow, this is tough. Yeah, and I know there's not like good starting pitchers sitting around, but it's like there's there's got to be better than that. I would think there's got to um, be more. Yeah, so. I mean, those feel like the sorts of things that you wouldn't necessarily have to, like, spend much just to, like, help fill in the back of the roster much. And maybe we didn't do that, and that was, like, part of the problem this year. And I think that's an oversight if you, you know, if you think you're going for it. I don't know how much we were really going for it this year from the beginning. It's not like we loaded up before the season. But, you know, they're spending good money on some players. Um, And so it – it is a little weird to live in that that middle zone still. Well, I feel – and so, like, I guess that's kind of, like, my frustration is, like, you know, if we're going to suck, like, the D-backs have sucked for a long time. Just suck, dude. Like, I sent you a TikTok of Elijah Wright, the potential first-round pick for next Green, year. yeah. Or Elijah Green, yeah, great point. Uh, hit the shit out of a baseball – like, the definition of light tower power, like how they used to say Josh Hamilton hitting out of Yankee Stadium. Like, I was like, well, I've never seen a high school kid in a baseball at heart. And so, yeah. it's like, if you're going to tank, like, tank and get these legit baseball players, but this, like, middle gray area that we're living in, especially in our division, which we'll also touch on a sec with, like, the major trade deadline moves of the Padres and the Dodgers and the Giants, it just seems like there's no hope when you do something like that. Yeah, and it's tough because, I mean, the, the other big thing with the Hazen situation was, um, you know, the story turned our minor league system around, and that remains true to an extent. But some of the guys that seemed like they were closer to making the majors, not necessarily this year, but, like, the guys who looked like top of the, the list prospects, like Christian Robinson had some legal issue, still not in the country. Corbin Carroll is uh, injury and so you're left with like guys who look promising for you know showing up in two years from now I guess and like there definitely seems to be like a talent gap where other than Kettle and maybe like a couple other guys I don't know like who you fill into the roster in the meantime um, and so that makes me uh, a little more pessimistic about next year I guess Um We'll see what happens. Maybe they're a little more competitive now in the second half of the year. Like you look at the roster right now and it it doesn't look that bad. But um, that being said, it's not like many are performing real well either. So well, but I, we'll I think that leads I think that leads into a great point though. Both uh, the pro- diving off of the just on Mike is it all on Mike Hazen into both a combination of do we do you think we have like the prospects that can become elite? And then also, how do you think Corey Lovello is doing as a manager? Obviously, the two things that stick out to me yesterday, and this is just a metaphor for like literally all the time with Corey Lovello, it feels like. Mayo Kelly comes in against the first place Giants, gives you eight innings pitched, zero runs, three hits, two walks, four Ks, leaves the game with a four-run lead. And instead of just going to Tyler Clippard, you're like, quote unquote, what seems like your closer or like maybe, you know, somebody who's doing well out of the pen, a pen that has been struggling all season long. You go to Taylor Clark right off the bat, who just came off IL and you blow the game. 
And it's just like, what are you doing there? And then also, I feel like the top prospect things is interesting with Hazen. And I think that is kind of a good point because you look at the guys who are performing well this year, and it's Josh Rojas, it's Paven Smith, it's Carson Kelly. It's um, as Drupal Cabrera, honestly, is one of our better players, which is kind of sad. Um, but then on the flip side, then you turn around Eduardo Escobar for seemingly nothing, and you bring up a guy like Drew Ellis, who looks like a relief pitcher batting. It's only been a few games, but it's tough to watch. And so I just threw a lot at you, but like what from that to suss out, like what, what stands out to you? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point you made recently, and those are the kind of things that give me more hope. Um, but, you know, those also came from, like, pretty huge assets in Goldschmidt and Granke, and we're just in a situation where, like, we don't really have any more of those to give now. Um, so, you know, I mean, maybe next by the year's Eduardo, team have... I mean, sorry. sorry, sorry to cut you off, but it's seen by the Eduardo Escobar trade deadline deal where you basically get back, like, two prospects who are basically kind of not top 30 in the Brewers. So what is that? Like not even, they're not even like that really that correct. I mean, they could be something, but you're, you're not counting on them as far as your prospect pipeline. Right. And that's, that's what I mean by, I, I don't really know where like our 2023 players are going to come from right now. Um, that's what concerns me. Maybe we see a few more Merrill Kelly types. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. If 2022 is rough, you kind of don't really have, like, the luxury of enduring that, which... No, it's tough. I, this is it's a little bit rough. of a diversion, but I want to bring up, like, one point that I, I found out about recently. But I think the D-backs are in, like, a much better situation than the Rockies. And the Rockies get, like, 10,000 more people per home game. Uh, at least they are this year. And I think some of that's just, like, it's in a cool spot in downtown Denver. And, like, it's outdoors and better weather. and like that's all helpful, but th- there's definitely something too of like that into it. And when they're bad, you know, that's it becomes like a tough hole to dig out of if you have an owner who's not willing to take losses to try to get better. No, I think that I know that's a great point. Or not even take losses, but like just you know, I don't know their financial situation, but but just, just even to like put not. on something entertaining on the field because I I get that point is also like that's a great point with Colorado. I haven't been to their stadium. But something even with the Cubs, like, you know, the Cubs literally out for a hundred years sucked ass, sucked ass. And yet they're like one of the three or four like baseball teams that people really, really know. And a lot of that comes down to like ownership and like community ties and like building a fan base outside of just winning, which I definitely think the D-backs have a major, major problem with also. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, a great we can talk about That's that great forever. But yeah, I think that, that, that goes beyond Hazen. Like, Hazen just controls the team, you know, and clearly yeah. there's some other organizational problem. But how about how about just let's let's revert back, because I think that's an excellent point for sure. But like you said, like, that's days worth of material. Um, but Tori Luvella, does he make it past this year with all the shenanigans that he pulls as a manager? Slash, do you think that Alec Hans is a better manager of the baseball than Tori Luvella is? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I'd give Alec at least a double A team. I don't know if uh, I don't know if he gets the big league club yet, but <laughs> uh, I, love it. I think it depends on how the next month goes. Um, to be honest, I think if if we're you know if four weeks from now we've won six more games, I think that's probably it. Um, I think if they're playing more like five hundred, then 
you know, maybe he finishes the year and needs to start the next one. Um, do you see that? Do you feel like, okay, that's an excellent point. Cause I feel like that's kind of likely, honestly. And then kind of step like kind of back to earlier we were talking about where it's just a constant battle of mediocrity. It feels like is like, we suck. And then we do go like 500 and it's like, okay, maybe we'll keep around another year. And then like the early next year, he'll go like 500 and then we'll suck again. We'll be like, Oh man, like, is it this is, or is it that? Like, do you see us doing well the second half? Cause it seems like a lot of guys are coming back from injury. Obviously we'll see some top prospects play. Um, like obviously we have to deal with the Giants, Dodgers, and Padres, but the Rockies aren't much, even with Trevor what's left of Trevor Story's career there. Like, I just I don't know. I think we're gonna have a solid D backs team to watch this second half. And that scares me because we might keep Lavolo, who I think is literally dog water at this point. Yeah, I mean we'll see. Um I'm feeling a little more optimistic, but also those are, are really tough teams, like you said. I don't really buy the Giants. Um but that doesn't necessarily mean that yeah, I, I'd I, want to revisit this like towards the end of the year, but uh, okay, we'll see. Fingers crossed. Okay. I like that. All right. So stemming off that though, let's get into some trade de- trade deadline moves that were made. Um, obviously the, let's start with the D backs first. Tim LaCastro goes to the Yankees. Otto Escobar to the Brewers. Soria gets shipped off to the Blue Jays, I believe. Uh, I think. Yeah. And then there was one more. What was the other one? Vote. Vote to the Braves. That's right. Um, what do you think of those? Did you do you, any return there, or was it just time for Mike Hazen to ship those guys off? No, I think it's just kind of getting rid of money. Um, and the other thing that I kind of forgot until I was looking at stuff today, Hazen's, I think, still on leave because his, his wife's, uh, like, health issues. So – I don't know how involved he is, but that being said, the guy who's the interim GM is also highly sought out. He's been interviewing with other teams the last few years. So someone who, you know, by all accounts should know what they're doing and, you know, probably are getting close to the best they can get. Um, at least, you know, I'd like to have faith in that. Who knows? But it, yeah, it, it it's not exciting at all. <laughs> it's tough, especially when you look at, like, teams, uh, you know, that did get huge returns. Like, I think it was the the uh, Twins got, like, huge prospects for Jose, Jose Barrios. Oh, my God. Yeah. They got off with a steal. As even yeah. compared to what the Nationals uh, got from the Dodgers. Right. And not, obviously, we didn't have a guy that good, but it kind of just makes you uh, – it's like another thing where there's nothing exciting about it. So it's tough. Question though, because again, I feel like this is just a theme with my case. And it's like, you know, if we're just going to get rid of guys, like why didn't we get ri- just get rid of guys more? So it's like, you know, Peralta, like I know a lot of guys values are pretty low, but it's like, you know, now's the type of time where, you know, if you're just going to fire sale it, you might as well come get, bring the prospects up to clear, you know, clear a roster spot for some prospects to come get some playing time. And instead, it's just kind of like, oh, we're going to get this third baseman, Drew Ellis, who, like, I honestly didn't even know until – and I know, I, you know, I've been doing this pod for six months now. You know, I'm pretty on top of the stuff. Didn't know who he was. And so, I guess it's just like, do you think – like, what's the what was the whole point of even shipping those guys off? 
Because you could probably get a re-sign Eduardo Escobar. Yeah, but you're not going to want to pay the money. I think it's just getting rid of salary of guys you can. Like, you look at the rest of the team, and, um, like, Ahmed probably isn't trade probably is not tradable with this contract. Um, I would argue that's the worst move that okay. Hazen has made um, is that extension. Uh, Bumgarner, probably similar situation without giving up a bunch of money. Uh, Peralta has a pretty big contract for next year, and I think identity guy right now. Okay. Um, so not so, that but what's that the, would like, stop what's them the from plan, because this team basically looks the same. So it's like, all right, we're just going to run it out. We're just going to run it back out for the second half, go like 500, get like another top 10 pick. You know, are we just banking on these top prospects like to come up and be elite? I mean, you got, we saw Perdomo early in the year. I feel like, like you said, it's hard to move Ahmed, but it's like, who even cares if Ahmed's playing at this point? You know, bring up Perdomo, put it even put like shifting in between shortstop and second. Like, let's see Seth Beer out there. Let's see. Um, you know, like you, you said, oh shoot, I just had the prospects pulled up. Um, Corbin Martin, we've seen, you know, Alec, Tom, but we haven't seen Alec Thomas, like Perdomo, Corbin Carroll's hurt, but like these, all these guys, Patino, I guess, you know, Stuart Fairchild is playing. So it's just, why not bring up more guys? And then why would you cut John DePlanter? Uh, they re-signed him to a minor league de- uh, deal, I saw. Oh, did so we? I think it just, okay. Yeah, they've had to do a bunch of, like, 40-man roster moves. Uh, just just everyone they're, like, churning through right now. Okay, um, fair enough. And I but think I, he's injured like, through the rest of the year. Fair enough. But, like, why not give a guy like Andrew Young more playing time, who it seems like every time he plays, he's a freak, you know? Like, do you see yeah. you know what I mean? It's like you kind of, like, go in on, like, the savings, but then it's like, what are we really doing here? Yeah, I, I did see, I think it was yesterday, they got rid of Josh Reddick. Um, you're probably going to see a few more moves like that. Um, okay. I, I don't know. I guess some of it would just be waiting to see value in the future. Um, like, I guess Merrill Kelly is actually under contract for several more years. He's only signed through 2022, but I think it's like an arbitration thing after that. Well, that's um, tight. So maybe the theory is just, oh, maybe we'll use him later, or if not, we'll wait till he is like peaking, you know, in next year's deadline, and he'll still have a lot of value. Granted, he's doing fine this year, but um, yeah, I don't know, man. Merrill Kelly's been the ace of the staff basically the whole year. It seems like I mean, and every every fourth is a dud, but it gives you solid, a very very good three out of four starts. But I guess. I guess the reason why I'm picking on, you know, the roster is, like you said, like you look at what the Giants did, getting Chris Bryant. You see the Dodgers lineup that you, I think, I believe you posted in there. They had Trey Turner. They have freaking – and then they add Max Scherzer to a team that was already, you know, on paper insane. And so you're going to move Trey Turner to second base, have Corey Seager. I mean, that lineup is just silly. And then the Padres, I mean, the Padres are still really good. And so what do you think of those teams? And especially with kind of how young they are realistically. I mean, you got Tatis Machado that are young. I mean, it seems like that entire Dodgers core of Bellinger, Singer, Trey Turner now, Max Muncy. It seems like they're all like kind of in their prime. And then even the Giants, like uh, it seems like you said earlier that you're kind of out on. But, you know, with signing a guy like Chris Bryant, Ted Add into a lineup with Posey, and Brandon Crawford, who haven't big years. I mean, I know they're riding 
some 30 plus year old starters, but it just feels like the giants are always there too, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's going to be tough for a while. I think they're definitely not going away. And so that kind of goes back to like timeline being more of a multi-year thing, but um, yeah, I, I guess you just kind of hope that they end up in situations where they take on bad contracts, like going for a win. Um, I don't think the Padres have done that too badly yet, but it only takes a few Eric Hosmers to really ruin your payroll if you're seeing like the Padres. So, you know, who knows how long it lasts. But do you, like, I guess my question is like, you know, like when you see that, it's like, is that, do you look at that and you're like, okay, like the D-backs just straight up are not contending until 2024. Like I like what I was like being like sad. And being like, yo, we're literally not going to have a t- good team until we're in our 30s and have, like, kids and married. Does that – do you think that's, like, legitimate or was I just being, like, depressing? No, I think that's probably accurate. I mean, <laughs> I'll still be watching. But I'd say as far as odds of a championship, like, yeah, I'll be following uh, the Suns a little more closely. For, oh, uh, my gosh. For the Suns teams. are the saviors of the Valley, dude. They brought yeah. some pride back. Okay. I'm excited for football too. Like we'll see how it goes. But yeah, D backs are not my uh not my most uh inspiring team right now. Well it's just tough too, dude, because like real talk, like I feel like if we never had that peak experience of having that World Series in a one when we we're like all children, it would be tough to be a D backs fan. Like since oh five like since oh one, like how much success have the D backs really had? Yeah, I mean, it really does uh, keep the energy running just just based on that. <laughs> I guess I don't know, dude. It, it, it probably already is, but it, okay. they had that '07 year. wasn't bad, uh, but I mean, that's still 15 years ago, I guess, at this point. So, what do you think? What do you think it's going to take to really compete with like the team, like the Dodgers, the Padres, and the Giants, like? You know, three – I mean, Padres have new owners, which basically now they're a big market team because they're willing to spend. Giants are in San Fran. They're willing to spend money, clearly. And the Dodgers have the highest payroll ever. And, you know, we're, we're the D-backs. You know, like you said, it's like, you know, really even have, like, necessarily even the best fan base, which is failure of ownership to a degree. But also, like, the guy doesn't want to spend any money. And so, like, what do you think it would take for us to start competing with teams like that, you know, outside of literally every prospect that we currently have hitting and becoming like a top player. Yeah. I mean, if if you're talking about like actually competing at that level, it it definitely is going to take prospects. Um, I think two pieces of this, like, I don't think you're ever really going to be able to make the Dodgers go away. I think like the way they're owned now, they're just going to keep, spending money um and they're you know they're basically another yankees now and i don't think that's going to stop at yeah they're, they're, they're the literally the, they're literally the 90s yankees they're just willing to spend yeah. whatever money and like you know they're going to sell out pretty much every game for the foreseeable future like they're not going anywhere i think you know padres and giants obviously are doing better than us i think you just kind of have to take your chances at like rotating in with them um okay it's not like the Padres have this big baseball history, you know, like it's, it's cool to see them doing well. And I think they're a fun team, but like, I can also see them 
if they were to go bad, I don't think like there's going to be a ton of Padres fans filling the stadium for a sub 500 team, you know, that has Tatis and a couple other guys, maybe um, just in theory. So, no, I think that's a great point though. Cause like San Diego, that's why the chargers left. It's like, you know, people have other things to be doing on the weekend besides watching baseball. Like, you know, when you go East Coast, it's like winter time or like the summertime. It's like the thing to do. San Diego, it's like, yo, we can do a million other things. And so, yeah. And Tatis is so injury prone, dude. It's crazy how many times he's been injured. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. But it, the other thing, and like, I don't want to get too much into this because I'm not like someone who's uh, equipped to like evaluate prospects or whatever, I guess. But like, you look. People talk about, you know, teams like the Rays are obviously like the best example of they kind of take all these people that aren't necessarily significant names or like have crazy talent and just make them all like useful 26 man roster players. And they just have like enough of those guys filling all their gaps that it works. Um, For sure. Obviously, it's like really tough to get to that point, but that's just something that we don't have. Um, And like we don't really have a history of doing that at any point especially with pitchers um 100%. so i well i mean you haven't seen by even just tr- us trading max scherzer you know for anything you know the best pitcher was generally right. one of the best what top four pitchers of his generation like we had him so and what about the giants do you just what do you think about them i mean it just seems like they're always in the playoff hunt even when you don't expect them at all yeah that's what's so funny about this this team this year is you see like Brandon Crawford and Brandon Belt doing super well. And it's like, wait, like, are, are you sure? Like, it's, you know, not that they were ever bad players, but it just, it seems so bizarre that they've like had this resurgence. Um, and then they well, have all these It feels guys like the Buster like, Posey effect for the Giants. It's, to me, like outside looking in, it just feels like whenever Buster Posey is playing really well, he, I mean, obviously he's called – how many no-hitters and perfect games has that guy called in his career? Like, a ton, it feels like. Like, at least – I mean, if it's not double digits, I would be shocked. Um, and then it just seems like, you know, this year the breakthrough of Cueto, Gossman, Descalfani, uh, who's their, their other 30-plus-year-old pitcher that they got. And it just seems like another team that – yeah, they spend money, but it's like just a baseball team that scores lots of runs. And then obviously the big splash with Chris Bryant. Yeah, and you know, obviously when you start getting guys like Chris Bryant, that makes a big difference. But just some of like I look at their stats and they it, they've got like Darren Ruff, who was the fourth outfielder for the Phillies, like got cut by the Phillies, I think, and he's got like a nine fifty two OPS all of a sudden <laughs> as a thirty four year old. It's just like they have like all these random huge performances, which that's baseball. Is good baby. for them, and like that's part of the thing that a team like the D backs need. Uh, to get to that point, like I'm, I'm, I'm not remembering all the names off the top of my head, but I think 2007 was kind of like that, where we had um, a bunch of guys who weren't big names that were just performing really well, and sometimes you just get lucky like that. But that's not really, I, I don't think the 2021 Giants are the same thing as Rodgers. Like they might have the same record, but it's not that kind of a team. I think as far as where are they? I like that, dude. I'm going to list off the 2007 D-backs for you because I just pulled it up. You got Chris Snyder at catcher. You got Connor Jackson at first base. O-Dog at second. Steven Drew at four. 
Mark Reynolds, fifth. Eric Burns, left fielder. Chris Young, center fielder. Carlos Quinton, right fielder. And then obviously, I believe Justin Upton came up at the end of the season and kind of took over that right field spot for Carlos Quinton. But I think you're right. That's kind of like what the Giants are doing. Like just a lot of guys with big years. But I think I think that's an excellent point, though. I think what's scary about the Dodgers for like the next however long is that they kind of have like what you were talking about with the Rays with like scouting department and like always seemingly winning trades and then also have $200 million to spend. Like just shown by the prospects that they traded to the Nationals, they got those two prospects from a Reds deal where they sent Matt Kemp and um, who else was part of that? Puig. And like just they were literally just shipping those guys off and we're just getting some guys back. And those happen to become like their elite prospects that they trade for Trey Turner, Max Scherzer. Like that's yeah, just that's, that's that's just what shows that they have more going on than just money. Like they just kind of firing on cylinders. So they have a lot going on, which honestly pisses yeah. me off. Like you got to respect it at this point. But I will never respect Dodgers fans, but the you know the front office, bravo. But I think that's a great point, though. It's like the Padres, Giants, D-backs, and Rockies all have their years where they can contend. And it always just pops out of out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, it, it does seem to be hard to predict, at least for us. But I think that's a great next leading into like the, the Dodgers talk and their two hundred ninety million dollar payroll right now. Do you believe that Major League Baseball needs to freaking step in here and level the playing field, whether it be? And I'm curious, do you think a hard cap would maybe be necessary or a cap floor that Ben threw out in the, um, the group me? Do you think that Major League Baseball needs to do something about these, like, the massive disparities in payroll? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I, I hadn't thought of it too much yet. Um, the concept of a floor, like, kind of intrigues me in theory, but I feel like, like, basketball has a floor, right? It's 90% or something like that, and I feel like yeah, basketball is so uneven, and they also have all these exceptions. That, I mean, I don't fully understand. Well, the NHL works, also but... has a floor too, though. Um, basically, it's usually like seventy-five. You have to use like seventy-five percent. It's just so like yeah. teams that are really, really tanking, like they'll have to take on bad contracts. Um, similar to kind yeah, of, like, in practice, I feel like it doesn't really help situations. Teams end up taking contracts to get draft picks. It doesn't increase their their on-field performance. Um, okay. You end up with random guys getting paid more money than they should, which is not a bad thing. Like, I think it would probably be better for players to get paid a, a bigger share, but um, I don't think it's going to help competition at all. Okay. So you would go neither, just kind of the way it is. It's fine. Like, it's like a soft cap with a luxury tax. Yeah, maybe heavier tax on it. Um you know me, dude. Big lib. Just put a bigger tax on it. But... <laughs> no, dude. It's just the, the thing that sticks out to me. Like, I, I, I feel like I'm not anti-players getting more money. Like, that's not where I am at all. I just think it's like, you know, when you have a team, like, I don't know. I mean, and obviously the Dodgers have multiple things going for them. But even like the Yankees and just being able to stack all these rosters in the big markets is basically what happens. It's like, you know, all these, like, small market baseball teams are just almost irrelevant, um, like, 90% of them. Obviously, like, like the same – I mean, St. Louis is kind of a big city, but, like, 
you know, you pointed out the Tampa Bay. It's like, you know, the bottom 10 are the Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Miami, Tampa, Seattle, Kansas City, Detroit, Oakland, D-backs, Rangers. It's like, you know, only two of those teams are really competing. A's, though, another good comparable to the Rays. Just, you know, even the Rockies have a higher payroll than us, which is kind of insane. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you do about it. It's I, I don't really love the idea. Get better of owners. Cap. I think it was mostly I think Ben's point was mostly a shot at Mr. Kendrick there. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know how you change that. That's the problem. Like there's got to be something you can do, but it's 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 just a problem where you have people who just treat it like an asset, I guess, and either get too involved or don't know how to hire the right people. And it's. You know, not like I know how to solve that problem, but it, they're, they're clearly examples of, of some teams like succeeding on that front. So I, I, I really be like, you know, we have Moneyball about the A's of 20 years ago. I, I want like a Moneyball 2 about the Rays into what they do now or, you know, some organization like that I think would be interesting because it, it, like- it would be much different than 20 years ago. A hundred percent. Like you, like yeah. the advanced stats now are just so much more developed too. Um, yeah. yeah, dude, I don't want to take a, I don't want to take up too much longer of your time. I know you got to go soon. So just, you know, the last five minutes here, like, is there anything that you want to specifically touch on? Is there any shots at anybody specifically you would like to take? Um, you know, I'll, I'll leave the floor open to you here. Uh, no big shots. I think, I think my main question for you, um, we did a lot of baseball already, so, uh, pivoting a little bit as a TCU fan, I'm curious about um, what would you like to see from the the whole realignment situation? It sounds like uh, Big 12 is in trouble. So are they going SEC, Pac-12? Uh, is there going to be some, some new uh, kind of combination figured out? What do you want to see? Oh, man, it's tough, dude. Um, TCU is in a tough position. I'm not going to lie. Um, obviously we're actually like one of the best football programs in the big 12 and we're actually one of the better basketball teams as well. Obviously we got smashed with sanctions like Arizona did though. Disappointing. Uh, but our baseball team is also elite too. We're like a pretty overall elite athletic, uh, program. But the thing is, is Texas kind of ruined the big 12 to begin with, with the Longhorn network, which is what caused A&M and Mizzou, and Nebraska, and Colorado to all leave. And now they're, like, you know, crying over spilled milk here where they basically tanked the conference, and now they're saying that they carried the conference the whole time. And I don't know, dude. Like, on one hand, you get that. On the other hand, it's like, literally, if Oklahoma wasn't coming with you to the SEC, I'm not even sure the SEC would be that interested. And I think it's a huge downgrade for Texas. I think they're going to become, like, because you think about the SEC, I really only think there's four or five teams that anybody cares about. And it's usually Alabama, Auburn, LSU, and then, like, whatever random team pops in there. Georgia, yeah. Florida, Texas, A&M. But it's really, like, a lot of those games, it's – like, I feel like everyone's like, oh, SEC, SEC. It's just – it's those big four. And so, I feel like TCU's got a little bit of a problem here. It sounds like they're going to try to, like, headstrong the Big 12 through – I personally think that making a move to the Pac-12 makes the most sense. But I don't know that the Pac-12 would want us, 
to be honest, because we're a small school. Obviously, it gets you into the DFW market, though, which I think for the Pac, I think the Pac-12 is in a little bit of trouble here. Um, but I, I, as a TCU fan or a TCU guy from Arizona, I think the Pac-12 would be uh, mistaken if they don't think that they need to do something like a counter move to Texas and Oklahoma leaving. And I think the best move would be to just pick up all these teams. Opens recruiting grounds, opens state, new states. Um, so you think they go? They should go super conference? I think you kind of. I think you kind of have to. And then maybe you do something like you team up with the Big Ten and you just play like sick games. You play like Michigan, ASU. You play like um, Ohio State, USC. You play like Oregon, um, Texas Tech, like or and then because I mean it's not only football; it's basketball also. I don't know though. What do you think? Just for the sake of competing with SEC attention, you mean like line up some of those big non-conference? Yeah, because like obviously, I mean, I feel very salty about it because um, you know, like Texas is that big. I mean, they're the number one. They spend two hundred. Literally, their payroll for the athletics program is the Dodgers payroll. It's like what yeah. the who spends that much on college athletics? Like that's absurd. NC State, San Diego State, and like tries to keep it together. I've been like. I've long been a fan of the Pac-12 adding those, um, but I'm, I'm kind of curious to see. It, it I, might just be game over. I, I don't know, man. I think it's kind of interesting. Like, I think if you got, like, Boise State, Cincinnati, a big school, like maybe Houston, maybe you can grab – maybe you could even steal somebody, um, steal some people back, like, Maybe Nebraska is like, yo, hey, Nebraska, you'll literally be the biggest football brand in this conference. Like, would you want to do it? I just think it's tough. Like, I feel like even if you do all that, like losing Oklahoma and Texas because of the way the polls are done. Like, you know, TCU won the Big 12 and beat Baylor and then got left out of the poll because they weren't Texas. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's literally like all based off like, oh, it's all it's just like that's just the way it is. And so if you lose your big name brands and you add like Boise State or whatever, it's like, are you going to get the recognition that you deserve for your league? Like, I personally don't think so. I think right. you, you're like, basically just a new because ver- I forgot about Houston. Also, that's a good example. But you're kind of just another version of the AAC at that point. A hundred percent. And like, that's another avenue to go down as well. It's like, but it, it becomes the power four conferences. Yeah. You know, with Pac-12 being four. And that's why, like, if I'm the Pac-12, I go, holy shit. Like, we need to make sure USC never leaves this conference ever. How do we do that? And I think, like, you have to do something, like, get all these. I think you got to do something like that. I don't know. What do you see as, like, a USC fan? Like, do you see any existential threat of, like, USC playing in the Big Ten? Or, like, maybe, you know, in the future it becoming, like, a – it really only being like 30 big national football or college football teams that even vie for the national championship. It's like USC, Bama, Oregon, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I don't know. It's, um, it's hard. Like, I, I don't know how they, they all have like private jets now. So I don't know how much the travel really factors into it. Um, it definitely seems like there's um, a little bit of like a gap there as far as having like big brands on the west coast but um i also think like usc is 
as a school right now, like not in a position to try to make aggressive football based moves. That's kind of like a different conversation. See, I disagree um, though, but... because that's literally what Texas just did. Like Texas has been as irrelevant at football as USC has been like equivalently. So, and they just decided to up and ruin an entire conference. And I think that kind of goes to show like it should show USC president, at least if not the PAC 12 commission, it's like, yo, if USC decided to join the SEC tomorrow, they could. Yeah, I mean, I guess they could. I hadn't really thought of it that way. Um... But, I, yeah, no, as a TCU fan, though, I just think it's like, you know, whatever conference we go into, like, we're, we're like, we don't really even get five-star recruits. Like, we, most even, like, Trayvon Boykin, like, our most famous football player, you know, not the best guy, but just great football player. Uh, he was a two and a half star wide receiver that we turned into a quarterback, and that's kind of the mo with a lot of guys that we end up getting uh, outside of like the first round defensive guys that we get. You know, who tend to be four star guys that just want to go play for Gary Patterson, a genius defensive coach. It's like you know we have the coach, we have the program, we have the stadium, like we have the fan base. I think it's a, like a premier program. I just think the school's a little small, so it causes problems, but. If we even go to the AAC or, you know, which I think would be, like, the worst-case scenario, personally, um, I think we'll be fine. We'll still crush it. and I, But I do think the Big 12 is basically dead, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to see the bigger Pac-12 as well, I think. I think you sold me on it. but I think it would be sick, dude, because, like, could you imagine, like, I mean, well, personally, it's like, you know, TCU game in Arizona once a year, every year, that would be tight. But then it's also like, you know, it's not just – it's also basketball. It's like you have Kansas and UCLA. Like you have – and then you have the entire state of Texas. And like for USC even, I almost feel like that's a huge sell. It's like, yo, we could get the Texas up-and-coming quarterback. It's like, yo, come to the Pac-12. We're about to play every big team that you would want also. And because there's going to be a 12-team playoff, like we're going to be in either way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I, it feels like it might move a little more quickly than uh, anyone saw coming. It, you know, I don't know exactly how those contracts work, but I'm getting around without news for several years. So no, I think I'm curious think to see probably after this year, there'll be a lot more shake around. Yeah, sorry. I don't. I'm, I know I'm cutting in on your time here, but just real quick, um, and then we can wrap up here. I definitely see the Big 12 not being – like, I see Texas and Oklahoma. I would be shocked if they played more than after this. Like, if there's another Big 12 season with Texas and Oklahoma next year, I would be surprised. I think, like, they're already in the SEC. I think they're just gone. And I think that the SEC and ESPN will help them pay to do it, whether it be through the Longhorn Network or whatever. I just think they'll be like, here's your money, Big 12, like, later, dude. And then I think that the Big 12 will, like, exist in some form to get the rest of their TV deal. And I think that's kind of it, though. Hmm. Which is a bummer. It's it's a bummer that it's just uh, – I think it's really bad for college football also because it's like I really see it heading towards down, like, a 40 to 50 teams only – or even less than that. I think it's going to be, like, 20 teams that are vying for the national championship at all times. And it's just going to be the blue blood programs mostly. So – 
but yeah, yeah especially maybe with endorsement deals but that's a separate conversation I mean, dude, yeah I mean, uh, <laughs> freaking first year bryce young quarterback alabama one million dollar endorsement hasn't even touched the football yet yeah it's crazy it's crazy, but I think you know. I think that's an excellent point, though. I think it's like the NIL plus a twelve-team playoff. It's like who are the they really gonna put in that? It's like yeah, they might put in a TCU every once in a while. Yeah, yeah, they might be put in a Coastal Carolina, but realistically, it's gonna be two Pac-12 teams, two Big Ten teams, five SEC teams, maybe a Big Twelve team, maybe an AAC team, whatever pulls in there, and then like a BYU just so they can get smoked, and then Notre Dame. Yeah. And that's and that's gonna be it. But yeah, Bruner. Hey man, I know you gotta go. Really appreciate all the insight of the fantasy legend Jordan Bruner. Appreciate you, bro. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. See you Dude, later. Absolute legend. Appreciate it, man. Peace. And now, longtime listener, uh Mr. Matt Harris. How you doing, sir? Hey, pretty good. Stoked to be here, man. I'm a dry heat pod. Welcome to the Dry Heat Podcast, dude. Obviously, uh, appreciate you filling in. We brought you on here to talk a little bit of Suns basketball. And so it's been quite the hiatus for the podcast here. And so we have yet to touch on – well, let's just put it here. We haven't had a pod since we fucking lost the finals. Hey, finals were up 2-0 in. And granted, it was partly because Alec, you know, is doing med school. And secondly, it's because Connor was just in a pure state of mourning. Pure mourning, dude. Just too sad to get out of bed a few days there. You know, like, literally had to hit up some Prozac. It was tough times all around. Like, up 2-0 in the finals. Somehow, Scott Foster gets the ref two games in the last four. That's tight, NBA. Um and so just, you know, outside his perspective, you know, someone who's in the Valley, what did the Suns run? Or what are some takeaways from the finals that you have? And then what did the Suns run mean to you personally? And maybe that, like, what did you see going on in the Valley when the Suns were on this run? Yeah, man. Well, first of all, um, I think, uh, it was it was an interesting scene. The, the Suns go on that crazy run all the way through the playoffs and up into the finals. Um, I had faith from the beginning of the season that that could happen. Um, I felt pretty good about it. I liked our squad, um, but seeing it actually come to fruition was like another thing. And like seeing the way you know Phoenix was out here and just so excited and like the energy was just incredible, man. Like really, really fun to be around the city for that. So in the end, yeah, my heart is like broken. And like, honestly, ever since like we lost, I've taken a big break from the media to get over the pain. Um, So that's been like a tough pill to swallow. But like, um, you know, I've had some time to kind of let it sink in. And honestly, like just really proud of the Valley for, um, you know, making it that far and getting through it, Um, you know, battle and, you know, we had some injuries as well. And it was interesting to watch us keep, keep fighting and I think it's only on the up man and we'll talk about it later in the show I'm sure but um, a lot of cool news with the contracts and kind of where we're headed as an organization so I have a lot of faith Um, I'm feeling pretty good man so yeah yeah dude I would I would uh, you know double down on that as well I think that you know while being up 2-0 in the finals and then taking the L at the end of the day is just you know like it'll be 
it's tough to say that you'll be in a better position to win the finals than that. But also at the mm-hmm. same time, like understanding that that was just kind of, it was ahead of the schedule for the Suns. So it's like, well, on one hand, it's a huge bummer. On the other hand, it's been like literally 10 years since the Suns have played meaningful, meaningful basketball whatsoever. And so it's just awesome to have a team that one is relevant and two is like a legitimate contender, you know, for, you know, do I think that we're winning the title next year? You know, I think probably not, but you know, I think that, you know, as the team gets more developed and obviously we signed Chris Paul to a nice little deer with deal here, which we'll touch on for the next mm-hmm. four years. Um, you know, as he, and he, he's just got kind of like that savvy vet old game. I think he honestly was really injured those last four games. And I think kind of, the youth of the squad kind of showed through in that finals, as well as Giannis just played out of his mind, as well as the refs being questionable, you know. Um, yeah. Not not well, to go too far down that path, but uh, just, you know, it's hard to guard Giannis already. Like, he's already a freak. Much dude, less I got to give it when, up like, to him. Which, but also, like, when he throws an elbow into Aiden's chest and then it's the foul's called on Aiden, <laughs> it's like, all right, listen, yeah, like, bro, like, the honest cool. is already really fucking good. Like, if you literally can't stand in front of the guy, like, what are we supposed to do here? So, but and then on the flip, it's like, you know, if you're the Suns in that position, though, you just got to, like, you got to take the refs out of it. Like, I complained about in the group meeting. It's like, you cannot let the refs get to you like that. But I think overall, man, I think my takeaway is, like, James Jones, absolute legend. Absolute mm. legend. And the Suns, bro, we're a contender for the next however long Booker decides to play basketball for the Phoenix Suns. And Absolutely. so I, I love I love that. Go for it. And I sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, man, but like I, I just have to give it up to Milwaukee, man. Like I that's really a team that I just like don't hate, honestly, when I watch them. Like there's a lot of teams that we played. Like I hate the Clippers, I hate the Lakers. Denver and eh, whatever. I mean, but like, you know, mad respect to Giannis, dude. Like, that was an incredible performance. And the fact that he came off of that, what was it like five games before or something like that? Two weeks before he had hyper extended his knee. It, it looked was like gross, he'd be out too. for like gross, six months, yeah. dude. That was disgusting. I couldn't even watch that replay. Like, that was unreal watching that. But I mean, you're right. Like, there was all those, you know, calls that were just tough on Aiden. And then when Sarge goes down, I think. I think he has huge value to our team. Um, so when he went down, we had to go to Frank. And, like, you know, as much as it is fun watching, like, Frank out there playing a different sport for, like, half the time he's on the court, um, <laughs> <laughs> it, oh it just sucks so bad that we respect oh, him. Like, I get it. I get why, you know, he knows everything. But, like, I don't know, man. I, I'm also jaded in Old Town after a game one night, and I told him good game, and I didn't even mean it. The club in Old Town, and he ignored me. So, Damn. Man, what I was a, trying to give him a compliment. Uh, I mean, dude, Frank the Tank, man, he doesn't stop rolling for anybody. I will say, though, like, I'm not trying to – I'm not going as far as Alec probably would in saying that the refs cost us the entire series because I think every single game that was played in that series could have been won by the Suns. Mm-hmm. The every game, except for maybe game three, except which, for game three, yep. Um, which I, they just won by that. twenty, and that was yeah. like a combination. Like 
But it's also, you know, it's just like there's some weird-ish happening there. Like, to have Scott Foster ref two games, everybody knows that feud. But also at the same time, Giannis played arguably the best finals of all time. So, like, you know, like, but when the margins are that slim, everything matters. And, I, you know, at the end of the day, boil it down to I'm disappointed we didn't get the W because, again, you're up 2-0 in the finals. Like, that's it. That is, like, where you want to – like, if you win that, you can retire, dude. Like, you're just done. Like, you – but you didn't – so, but you don't hit the mountaintop. But regardless, it's like we got a squad, and the squad is coming back. And so, uh, real quick, uh, I just want to grade James Jones because that's where we're going to kind of delve into going towards the offseason um, that just happened that's going on currently. James Jones getting an A plus, 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 plus up to this point. Mm-hmm. The moves he has made, the Cam Johnson draft pick, I mean, clearly is excellent. Uh, the Mikhail yep. Bridges trade is clearly excellent. Awesome. Um, you know, Booker was already on the team. Mm-hmm. Aiden, I don't, you know, Aiden, Aiden is still a question mark in my book, dude. I was riding that high for a long, long time there in the playoffs. But then you kind of see some weird shit like, oh, like if you trade, if you want to trade for Pascal Siakam was going around Sun's Twitter as like he's a star. It's like, well, you got to give eight and plus. And it's eight and plus Cam Johnson plus something else I saw. And I was like, okay, well, listen, like, I think Aiden's going to be really good. And I think he's going to continue to keep getting really good. But the problem with Aiden is like, Luka Doncic was the guy that could have been taken. (laughs) (laughs) So that's, I mean, but I think Aiden is going to be a star. I think he's going to be an all star sooner rather than later. I I expect big strides in the next couple of years. Um, Just to, yeah. Whatever. Um, yeah, Keith, I, wa- I wanted to talk to you about that, though, with DA. I was curious kind of what you think that he can become or, like, have we seen through some of these games, like, what his peak is um, or do you let's, think there's let's, a let's, higher ceiling? We'll touch, we'll Table touch that? on that when we talk about the internal development that James Jones sees for the Suns coming up with some of these signings. We'll get agreed. there. We'll get there. Agreed. But, agreed. Okay. Um, you know, I just talked about, like, you know, the, the core of the team – the master stroke of signing Chris Paul, getting Jay Crowder as well, Tory mm-hmm. Craig for cast considerations down the line. Like, you know, it's not James Jones's fault that Dario Saric got hurt. And you could see how much Dario Saric would have played a role in helping the team. Because once he went down, it was very noticeable that, like, there was eight and, and nobody else, mm-hmm. which became very tough. And so, um, you know, which was the fatal flaw of the squad. But, I mean, dude. 10 years of nothing. Steve Nash leaves the Suns. There has been nothing. James Jones decides to come um, roughly 14 months later when the NBA Finals. I mean, that's the craziest turnaround maybe in sports history outside outside of like maybe a few others. Okay, so let's let's get let's dig into what he's done so far this offseason. So James Jones in an interview with reporters before the offseason like shortly after the finals talked about his philosophy as far as what it takes to build a team. Mm-hmm. And he said, it's a three by five index card. And when asked when that was pushed that he said, well, you have five positions and three deep at every position. Mm-hmm. Right. So far this off season, mm-hmm. Chris Paul resigns. One, I think personally, 
the Suns' success last season is it not remotely the same if Chris Paul is not on the team? Obviously struggled at times in the playoffs due to COVID. His wrist injury, which he's getting surgery on, was clearly a problem that happened in the finals there. Um, but, he, I mean, the guy was an MVP candidate for a reason. I know he's 36, but that man, one, deserved to get paid. And two, I think the contract details, which we'll touch on a sec here, like it's a favorable deal for us. I also really like the Landry Shamet trade. I think that who were we going to get with the 29th overall pick? Nobody that helped us this season, yeah. realistically. Or win now over the next couple of years. Or just even participate in the games. I mean, because you saw what happened to Sticks last year. And mm-hmm. I think uh, we'll touch on his development in a sec here too. But it's like, it's like realistically, like Shemet is like been in the league for a few years now. The only guys shoot that shot a better three point percent on the Suns than Shemet did was Jay Crowder and Cam Johnson. So he's already like you just slide him in as like a, a, one of our better three point shooters. He's the thirty seven percent three point shooter. That's awesome. Yeah, dude. That, that's a Say that again. 39% three-point shooter career. Love that. Love that. Plus, he played a ton with the Nets, and I'm pretty sure he played every single playoff game. Mm-hmm. And so – and when he was – like, the the big thing that they pulled out of him was that he's not really a defender, but I don't think the Nets played defense anyway. So, like, if you're just <laughs> – like, point. it doesn't really matter. That he, like, But I think when he was on the Clippers, he did have some signs of defense – and so I think that if you put him in, like, the, the Suns' defense, I think he'll succeed as far as playing his role really, really well. Will he be Mikhail Bridges? Obviously not. But could he be around, like, what Booker does? Maybe a little bit better? Absolutely. As well as I think he has some playmaking ability that hasn't been able to be shown on other teams whether for whatever reason. And his, his relationship with Monty runs deep, apparently. So I love that. If Monty likes him, I like him is what I said, and I stand by that because Monty Williams has shown he can basically get the most out of any single person that he believes in. Didn't Monty say something along the lines of he guy that he wanted to marry? His I daughter married that somewhere. Yeah. That was weird as hell, dude. That's like, weird. I'm all about it. That's not – dude, I mean, those are the type of – I mean, we're building a culture clearly too. Like um, James Jones has another quote where he says – like, we're all about – I mean, obviously, you want the most talent as possible, but you can't get those mercenary-type guys if you don't have a culture first. Mm-hmm. And so I think Shemet's a long-term piece from all I, everything I've seen. Would, would you agree with that? Do you, do you like that signing? Do you like re-signing CP3? Um, obviously, real quick here, we also got um, signed Alfred Payton, and then we're bringing back Frank the Tank. And Is Alfred Payton brought back Payton official now? Well. What's that? Is that official? The Alfred Payton? Is that uh, official now? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Nice. Yeah, I put I threw it on the group meet last night. But, yeah, he's coming wow. back, which, I mean, like, I, I get, like, he was yeah. once a Suns player, but that was, like, a lot – that was a Suns team away back. He's now, like, literally the third point guard on the team. So Yeah, I was looking at his stats. Like, you know, uh, I'm definitely cool with him being a third string. <laughs> like, I – you know, I don't really think that that's like a game changer or anything necessarily, but 
Um, I think that's cool. I mean, I'm going to miss Javon Carter. I'm going to be honest. I love Javon, uh, the bulldog mentality. But I also think that Landry is awesome. And I think, you know, he's been in the league, like I think it's five years now. Um, and he's just going to get those like sweet threes from the back and be a good, uh, you know, be a good uh, replacement for Book when he's taking minutes off in the game. So I'm pretty excited about that. But do you see yeah. that? I see that as pretty crucial, actually, for com- this upcoming year. I was thinking about that with, I mean, so just this three by five. Let me lay it out real quick. You got Aiden, yeah. JaVale McKee signs, and then you got mm-hmm. Frank the Tank, all your three centers. Your power forward position right now is Jay Crowder, Sticks, and then Dario Saric. But obviously, Dario Saric is out for the year. So we'll see if we add another guy there. And then you got Bridges. There. What's mm-hmm. that? I think we can improve there, but yeah, keep going. And then we got Bridges, Cam Johnson, Nader as your threes. Your twos yeah. are Booker, Shamet, and then Tyshawn Alexander, who's a two-way player. Maybe we add someone there as well. Um, and then your point guards are obviously CP3, Campaign, and Alfred Payton. How does That's that right. sound? Do we think? Do you think we got better in this quick offseason already? Um. Yeah, I do. I do. I think, I think the biggest thing is McGee actually Um, just not having really anyone to go to after uh, Sarge went down. And it's funny because I used to really not like McGee. uh, And I think it's just ingrained in me after the Shaq and the fool stuff in the, (laughs) but I'm going to embrace him. You know, he's on our sons. He's a son's player. So like, I'm going to love him. And, uh, you know, he's a three-time champion. So, like, you, you got to respect that. And, like, you know, some of the reports are guy. And I think that's a, with what you're touching on with the culture. Uh, there's with LeBron and AD and then Steph and Clay and Draymond and, you know, all the guys. I'm pretty stoked on that. And I, I'm sure the stories about how when we were playing Denver – you know, he went in for garbage time minutes and like for six minutes and really made an impression on CP3 during that because he was just going all out. And like, that's the kind of team we need, right? So going to be coming in for Aiden, and which Aiden needs that help, needs to take a, a breather, you know, during the game. Uh, I think being a game protector and uh, be able to kind of hold it down while he's, while Aiden's out. I think that's a great point, actually. And in fact, you know, so far, I, I want to, I personally am going to hold off on grading James Jones so far this offseason. But if I'm going to give a tentative grade, I'm going to give him an A. Because what has he done so far this offseason is he's solved for all the problems that we had in the playoffs. Which was, one, there was no real backup center after Aiden. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously, Frank being your backup center is problematic. Frank being your third string center is a whole different discussion. And that's why like, I, I appreciate the Frank slander that I saw in the group me, but he's not going to be playing really, unless there's yeah. a significant injury, which is like, if Frank is your third string center, he's not playing in the finals. <laughs> so it's just like, I, I, I appreciate that. But it's, and so like, I just, I like that a lot. I think that it'll be interesting to see what James Jones thinks of Jalen Smith 
Sticks. I forgot his real name for a second. Because (laughs) I I think if clearly it looks like he has to develop this year to me. He has to. Because every other other move that he's made, it's like, yeah, you were signed all your threes. Bridges, Cam Nader. I mean, all those guys played important minutes in the finals. Like, I liked all those moves. Bringing back Nader, I think he was playing really well before he got hurt. So I liked it a lot. Booker, Shamet. Shamet brings you much needed three. Maybe you can maximize his talent. You know, he was a former lottery pick. Um, I see a lot of potential there for a guy who's still relatively young. And if he's part of the Suns' long-term future, like an extra playmaker shot producer, that's kind of what we needed, you know? And if you can make that a, like make him a legit, legit player behind book, like that's huge. That's like another campaign basically, which is, I mean, you saw how big campaign could be. Campaign back, love that. And CP3 mm-hmm. back, I think CP3 being back was an absolute necessity. Uh, we'll touch on contract details in a second here, but I think it looks like a good contract for the Suns. And then Alfred Payton, I think, is similar to Shemet. It's like, yeah, he was on the Suns the first go-round, but he literally just played every – he started every single game for the Knicks this season. That's fair, yeah. And, and he, like – he had he averaged ten points and three assists as a point guard, and yeah, he mm-hmm. makes basketball look very, very difficult sometimes. He really does. <laughs> he makes it look really tough sometimes. But he's your third string point guard, and so like, and you know, he's I kind of see Alfred Payne and Chimet kind of similarly for the Suns and what James Jones is thinking as like these are guys that could be something if maximized by Monty. Obviously, I think Shemet's way more long in that development than Alfred Payton is. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so from that, from everything around there, I think you got to play sticks more this year. I think you really got to develop. And I think this everything that we've done so far is a tentative grade of an A simply because the Suns need to get better. And obviously, we're banking on the development of all the players to do that to keep getting better and like, you know, outside looking in, like that's what I would bet on as well. But you know, the, every other, a lot of other teams got good this off season as well. So I think like you got to do that. Well, here's the thing. I mean, you've got young guys like Cam and McHale, for example, um, that have already developed into great players that got us to the finals and, uh, or at least part of it. And then, so that's going to continue to develop, which will be great. But, but great but role you've got, players right now. They're still like great role players right now. Yeah, absolutely. But okay. we have we we're looking at sticks, and it's like I'm I'm trying to figure out where his role really is because I was really excited for him when we drafted him, and you know I was watching his highlights and stuff. I was like, oh, this guy's going to be pretty sweet. But then, like honestly, every time he got in, which I to be fair is like garbage time minutes and like not a great representation of who you are as a player, but like it didn't look that promising. (laughs) So like, I, I am curious to see how that will happen. So when I look at James Jones and what he's done over the off season so far, I think it's been good. And like the contracts he's put together have been like really team friendly, but I'm thinking like there's still trade targets out there. Like, that could potentially take the role of like what sticks might be. Oh, but really? then you're not developing stick. Well, kind of. I mean, like, for well, example, well, you would think if you trade for something and like sticks would be part of that deal, potentially. But like, okay, or not, or or free agents. Sorry, not tar- trade targets. I said. Oh, agents. gotcha, gotcha. My bad. But 
guys like Paul Millsap or like Avery Bradley, like, you know, they're, they're out there. So I don't know. I mean, I think they're trying to be careful with the, uh, you know, how much money they're spending right now and everything. Uh, I'm not as well versed on that side of the business, honestly, but. I, no, it's uh, dude. When, when I try to look at the salary cap stuff, it's so complicated right now. But clearly, like all this is done in mind. Um, we either have to, you know, we have to give at some point a contract extension to both Mikhail Bridges and DeAndre Aiden. I personally yeah. thought it'd be this offseason, but it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. I thought so too. Yeah. I don't know why that hasn't happened. Well, I don't know. Well, because I, right I think I think Aiden's going to demand a max deal, and I is think, it worth it? <laughs> I think. Well, I'm welcome to my Luka Doncic conversation, and like yeah. I'm not. I love DeAndre Aiden, and so I think that's kind of part of this internal development. Kind of, um, mm-hmm. I guess, would be the theme for the next season for the Suns. Is I think DeAndre Aiden is going to. I think James Jones is going to make Monty Williams. Make DeAndre Ayton prove that he is a max player mm-hmm. by giving him all different types of stuff to do. Like, because I think one thing that was interesting, and you could kind of see in the finals very clearly, is that the team was CP3 was the MVP, Booker was a star, is the star, mm-hmm. and then everybody else was a role player. No matter how good they were, they were role players. Like, Bridges had a much better regular season than uh, postseason. Ain had a great postseason and then terrible last four games of the finals. Crowder is literally the streakiest player of all time. That's so true. <laughs> and then campaign rolled his ankle, was never the same. And then Cam Johnson, I think Cam Johnson kind of came into his own, to be honest. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he even pushes Jay Crowder for minutes. But I think, you know, like that's like what I'm kind of saying here is this whole this whole next year depends on the development of every single individual on that team. And I think it starts with Aiden developing just more, I guess would be like a nice way to put it. Just like just more like, you know, aggressiveness, just more like trying to figure out how to get some occasional free throw, extra free throws in a game, just like to prove that he's a max player. Cause right now I just kind of see as it was like CP three book and a bunch of role studly role, studly role players, but role players. Yeah. I mean, here's where I'm at with DA is like, uh, I think he's incredible and has the potential to become really a lot better than he already is. I mean, like we've seen flashes Agreed. of it for sure, but like, and then there's times where I'm just like, dude, like if you would have just given that a little more effort, like, like that would have been your play, you know? Like, so I think, uh, I think what you're saying is exactly right. I think they're going to make them prove it. And uh, maybe that's part of the contract reason. I don't know. I don't know how that all works. Like I said, but um, I feel like we've only seen like 75% of like what he is. Honestly, I think he's going to continue to develop, you know, his, his jump shot and, uh, you know, space the floor a little bit more. What, what, what do you, what, and, it, what would be like if you had like a prototypical player that DeAndre Ayn is like and could become? Like, who do you want DeAndre Ayn to become? Like, do you want him for, to be? Go for it. You know what I want to say so bad is just Shaq, just like just yeah, dunking on everyone. 
Me too, like, dude. Me too. Because he can. He can. <laughs> like, Preach, brother. Go off, King. <laughs> he can, man. He's huge. He's huge, and he's just built and, like, stronger than everyone on the floor. And it's, like, it's kind of like Giannis in a way, like, and kind of the way Giannis, you know, plays as far as just dominating the floor. Like, I kind of see, like, DA can become that. Like, and we've seen flashes of it for sure. Um, but he's also got like the finesse game a little bit too. So it's, it's fun. Like his defense was, it has gotten incredible too. So I don't know, man, I can see him just being his own thing, but like, I want to see him just dominate like Shaq, honestly. Well, I think, I think it like the next, so I think, I think the internal development timeline, like for the Suns is obviously Booker's 25 right now. And everybody mm-hmm. else is basically around that age, except for Chris Paul and Jay Crowder. Um, and so I think you have like a five, six year window here. Realistically, if you can keep everyone on the team. Um, and that, I mean, Bridges, Aiton and Booker is what I would con- like what the core that I consider is Aiton, Cam, Bridges, Booker. And then clearly campaign and probably Shamet are probably now like um, James Jones adding extra core pieces there. Um, but CP three, man, he's 36. Like, I know we just mm-hmm. signed him to a four-year deal, but mm-hmm. all the contracts I've seen have it as, like, a max first year. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, Gambo has it as $15 million is partially guaranteed for year three. And so, if he mm-hmm. plays two years, he gets roughly $75 mil, And if he plays three years, he gets $90 mil. And if he does play that fourth year, that is where the deal gets to 120 So, it looks like it's a team option for year four, which is age 40 season. It looks like it's a partial guarantee for year three. So, like, if – and then it's 30 million, 30 million. And so, like, I think that – you know, and I think CP3's game will age well. Like, I think he has that old man, like, Uncle Drew type game where it's mm-hmm. like, you know, like, he just the way he plays, like, has nothing to do with athleticism. <laughs> like, he, he – yeah, he just dropped. He just he's in the right position. He's not. He's not like even his fadeaways. Like I know he's a obviously an elite athlete, being an NBA player, but comparison to other elite athletes, he doesn't look like an elite athlete. And so, uh, um, and so I think he's gonna like, you know, as these other guys are developing. Obviously, Chris Paul, like you brought, you need him because of the leadership. Obviously, he probably still gives you a similar year as last year, this coming year. But the cool thing is, is like I think Booker, CP3, and DeAndre and all probably going to need to be like, I mean, what's the, like babied with their minutes um, because of how much they played last year and in the bubble. And then obviously Booker's in the Olympics now. Chris Paul was hurt late in the season. Aiden had a ton of minutes being the only big. And Booker, you know, still, I think that they're going to get – they're going to have a lot less minutes in the first half of next season, which is why I like the Alfred Payton signing and campaign and Shemet, and why I think Sticks is going to have time to develop here as I think they're going to need to and so everybody can stay healthy for that second half of the play in the playoff push. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, do you – looking at the landscape with the other teams and stuff right now, like – who do you see as the biggest threat to the Suns? Not to get us too off here, but no, let's let's shift to that. Curious. I, I yeah. feel like we've kind of broken down the roster as much as possible. 
Uh, let yeah. me flip that back on you first, though. After all the free agency breaks down, after all the free agency mm-hmm. that's happened so far, I should say, uh, Kawhi returns back to the Clips, but who knows when he'll come back. Uh, the Lakers make big splashes with Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, um, and their signings of Wayne Ellington, Ken Bazemore, and Malik Monk to go with Russell Westbrook as well. Um, then you got the Jazz quietly making some good signings. You got the Nuggets quietly making some good signings, plus they'll be healthy next year. You got Golden State Warriors. You got Klay Thompson coming back. The Chicago Bulls made a ton of moves this offseason, obviously in the East. The Nets are still healthy in the offseason, obviously in the East. You still got the Bucks. Who knows where Ben Simmons ends up? You know, like, what do you what do you see right now as, you know, what it, what do you what jumps out to you from free agency so far outside of the Suns? Well, just I don't know about free agency, but just uh, over in the West, I mean, the world and like Clay coming back, Steph's there. I don't know. I'm like <laughs> now Ben Simmons, I love he's trying to get over to the Warriors. I've heard. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> Which, I wouldn't blame him. <laughs> Yeah, I get it. Of course, I'd want to play with Steph too. <laughs> like, but I don't know, man. They're scary. Uh, the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's just an old man roster. Like, do you think that they do this every year? Uh, probably. I, do you I think that that's? Do you them. think that's the Mike Vick Eagles from like ten years ago, or do you think it's like, <laughs> hey, like actually, like I know all these guys are old, but it's like LeBron and Russell Westbrook could will yourself to the fourth seed by himself, then plus LeBron, plus AD is going to get babied minutes-wise, and then you have a bunch of guys who can fucking shoot. They're, dude, they're probably really good. Honestly, like, I don't want to disrespect them at this point. Like, But, yeah, I mean, it's an old man roster for sure. But sometimes experience, like, you know, can take you really far. So, um, yeah, they're scary. The Clippers are obviously – really good um we know what the jazz can do so you know west just like it has been the last couple of years like is is a uh, really scary and then on the I east mean, still has still got... dame. dame is still on the blazers yeah true yeah he's still there i mean um and i don't really know what's going to happen with that but uh there's a lot of good teams in the west and then over in the east you know obviously you got the bucks um you got the Nets and then the, the Bulls, like at first I wasn't really that impressed with what they're doing, but then I looked a little further and I'm like, Oh man, they're, that's actually a good team. You know, like they got, what is it? Lonzo, Vucevic, Vukovic. I don't even know how to say it. Yeah. Um, Levine. Zach Levine. They're trying to build around Levine cause he, he becomes a free agent after next year. So they're trying to go all in. Yep. But that when they said that, like they took Caruso, I was like, Oh, pfft. Okay, if they're excited about that, then what are they? What is this organization? But no, they're <laughs> literally but white, they're actually, a white like, person cannot be good at basketball. No white T person can <laughs> ever be good at basketball. <laughs> I mean, is that what you're know, trying to say, just, Matt? Is that what you're trying to say, huh? No, it's just Caruso, man. Like, I don't know, something about his balding at age 24 is just, I don't know, not intimidating to me. Not an athlete. You can't be bald uh, and an athlete, dude. I respect that take. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, everyone's a threat. It's just 
uh, kind of like this year, you know, a lot of times it just kind of comes down to injuries and that, you know, tends to aid in, you know, how things kind of shake out towards the end. So we'll, we'll see how things line you. up. Well, question for you then, like, what do you think that the roster needs to do in order to be a contender again? Like, and I mean like a top four seed, because I think um, obviously top four seed to be, have a home court advantage for at least one round. So do you think that that's a necessity for the Suns going forward? Do you see that as like possibility, probable, like, like what are the Suns going to do up your James Jones right now? Truthfully, I think we got the right roster. Um, I think we need to keep developing our younger guys, um, but we proved it. I mean, we made it to the NBA finals, but um, I think we're in a good position there. I, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but I think like pulling on like a, a Paul Millsap or like an Avery Bradley, like one more like vet, like a, uh, they can, you know, play some defense and spread the floor, I think would be great. But um, I think we filled in a lot of the holes. So I, I really like where our team's at right now. But, uh, you know, uh, there's just obviously a lot of good teams out there too. So that's just the NBA. That's how it always is. Okay. Damn, bro. All right. What about you gotta you? be scared out here, dude. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I I feel like if I'm James Jones, like I think I, I echo the same sentiments you have. I think you probably want to sign another big guy if you can. Like, you know, a, a third stringer. I think you gotta have sticks developed this year as like a must. Like I think it's worth it to potentially fall to like a five or six seed if you can develop sticks for like that many more games. Because obviously, Ooh. big guys take longer to develop. Yeah, but I think I think the thing is here, and I think kind of the thing that could throw people off is like we made the finals last year, and that could like rush everybody's timelines as far as what this team should be capable of. But mm-hmm. to me, I see this team like I think last year, if we were like a second round and out type team, I think everybody would have like, those would be my expectations coming into this year. Like as far as like what that team last year did coming into this year, like I don't see us going like going back to the finals again, to me, it's just mm-hmm. not realistic expectation because the team is still really young. Like you said, like the Lakers, like they're, they're a lot better than they were last year. They just are. Like, they have the shooting that they didn't have last year. And do I think the Suns could stick it to them again? Absolutely. But, like, it would be a much different series, for sure. And uh, and then the Nuggets, obviously, will be healthy again. Mm-hmm. Obviously, injuries going into the season affect everything. I think the big thing with basketball is, like, on paper, just doesn't make any sense. Like, it has to be, what does the teams look like? What what are the games played? Like, what is the real defense being played? But you know, LeBron has probably just got the most rest he's had in a long time. Um, and, you know, the team squad obviously had a huge comeback victory. So, like, you can't count them out, dude. If you can beat some art- artificial intelligence, like, who can't you beat, you know? Um, <laughs> and on top – but I think if you're James Jones, like I said, like, sign a big guy, and then it's all about – pure player development like you're banking on Aiden becoming a real max center like I already think you could probably say Aiden's a top five center in the league right now legitimately but is he good enough like like our centers I just think he has to be more than that though 
I think he needs to be more than that, and I think he can be. Uh, I think JaVel McGee could help his development a lot mm-hmm. as well, just as far as, like, motor. More so and showing him, like, what not to do. Dude, JaVel, like you said, dude, JaVel <laughs> McGee was literally <laughs> sprinting up and down the court down by 20 with two minutes left in the season. Absolutely, like, absolutely. Like, uh, if you told me DeAndre Ayton did that shit, I'd be like, wow, that guy's literally going to be better than Hakeem Olajuwon. Like, that's how much difference that would make for Ayton for me. Dude, um, the fact that we have JaVale McGee and Frank Kaminsky on the same team to me is just hilarious. But dude, we have the whatever. goofiest <laughs> centers ever, dude. We got the <laughs> we got the Bahamian King and DeAndre, and we got the Shaq and a fool JaVale McGee. And we have Frank the Tank, dude. Like, what is this? Um, and then I I think you're hoping Bridges and Cam both take another big step, like because mm-hmm. I think I think the thing is is like all these guys are really really good in the roles for Monty Williams. But if any of these guys were at their all-star like peak yet, I think that changes a lot of stuff that could have happened in the playoffs. Um, as far as like you know, if Bridges could consistently get twenty a night when he wanted to, that would have changed everything. Same thing with Cam Johnson, um, and then Aiden as well, like his aggressiveness. Booker Booker is gonna get better, man. Um, I see him as like a. I mean, I, now he's got the shine on. But mm-hmm. I think Booker's hungrier than ever, and so mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what that looks like. We'll touch on Olympic Booker, just kind of like headband book is a different beast, dude. Yeah, um, damn. Uh, Chris Paul, uh, he's going to do him, man. I mean, he's 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 going to do him. Campaign, I think another year in the league is going to do him wonders. I think Landry Shamet with Monty Williams, I see his growth. Um, Nader, play big minutes. minutes. And if you get anything on Alfred Payton, and maybe we even signed him because Chris Paul might not be healthy to start the season, so you need like two yards. That could be mm. a possibility as well, because he just got that wrist injury, and obviously, I think like training camps like in eight weeks or something ridiculous like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you were James Jones. There's really only so much you can do right now. Like the pieces are there, you just need them to kind of grow. And outside of making like a blockbuster move, like trading for a star like in throwing Bridges and Aiden and Cam Johnson at somebody for like, uh, I don't know when like what the 76ers did outside of doing that. Like, I think what he's doing is what you do. And nor do I think that getting like a star like that would be a good move. That's Um, not the right move for us. Yeah, I I agree. And so I think what he's doing is exactly what you, what you would do. Um, and I like it, but yeah, dude, on new Olympic book, dude, Yes. You could, you were telling me about how much you love NBC coverage of the Olympics. <laughs> Bro, I I have to admit to the Dry Heat podcast, I have not seen any Olympic basketball because dude, honestly, it's been so bad the coverage. And like it is just <laughs> I never see it on. Like I can't find reports on it on like ESPN or like Bleacher Report. I feel like like I can't even find box scores half the time. So it's just like I I am uneducated on what's gone on over there other than seeing like Ben Epstein say, Oh, books like heating up right now. And I'm like, Oh, that's sick. Like, <laughs> great. So, and I saw that he was like a starter. So uh, happy to hear it. You know, JaVale McGee signed and they're over there together. So you have to believe that there's some conversations that are happening. Do you think book recruited them in, that... in Tokyo? Is that what you're talking I don't know. The uh, I'm not saying, I'm not necessarily saying that, but, I think that it probably helped. I mean, him being over there. And I think that it helps for our future. I think it bodes well that Book is, you know, 
getting that respect that he deserves around the league um, in that Olympic setting from some of these really star players. And then when the time comes that, you know, we move on from CP3 or his contract is up or whatever, you know, we can call up other guys and they, they want to play with book. So I, I love, well, I book love and, the idea and, and what's Bridges. going on over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, NBC coverage has been has been trash. I think so. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. No, it's not. It's literally not just you. I cannot imagine paying a billion dollars for something, and then it being probably the worst covered sports thing of the entire year, especially with COVID <laughs> still going on. It's like literally you should be giving all access, everything, all the time. It should be like perfect. what the hell is Peacock even, dude? Like I even if you like. <laughs> I literally subscribed to Peacock to watch the games, and I still yeah. like, can't find it. It's ridiculous. Oh, for real? Dude. Oh, that's it, bad. It's just so hard. Like the way, like you don't know when anything is. Like when people were searching for Devin Allen's race or whatever, I like Bro. I didn't even try to find it honestly because I had looked earlier in the day, and I just I was like I'm not gonna figure this out, dude. I'll just get the highlights. So when Which, Devin hey, was in the shout series. out to Brophy Legend Devin Allen, dude. Yeah, shout out to Devin for sure, man. Stud. I mean, incredible to, to see him there, man. That's so cool. Tough to nick the um, hurdle or whatever, man. But I mean, what an outing! He was like, dude, what a stud! What a stud, man. I, so, I love watching his funny pre-race or post-race things too, um, where he did like the break dancing or the wow mom, and then what was his, the shake and bake was his last one for. For the, the last heat, yeah. Oh man, that's so funny. And like, what a great idea! Like, just for your branding, like in general, like that's just how you get people to like you. Oh, 100%. <laughs> like in today's today's day and age. Well, and especially being an Olympian, where like your event is literally one time every four years. That you know, unless you're a track person, like, and you're watching the world championships every year, yeah. Like, you gotta build that thirteen brand seconds, you can, bro. You gotta build yeah. that brand when you can. Um, and he gets thirteen seconds to shine. So, like, exactly, might as well. Exactly. I will say, so Book has actually been a solid performer for Team USA. I was interested to see how he would shake out. Uh, KD in one interview had him being like, yeah, dude, everybody knows Book. Everybody knows Book and Ball. I saw that, yeah. It's like, well, listen, dude, if everyone, how could, how could everyone be saying that? Literally every single player ever when asked about Booker is <laughs> like, yeah, but everybody knows Book and Ball, man. Except for apparently any, the media. It's yeah, like, I knew what you're gonna say. Yeah, dude, and then they and then they like listen, dude. One thing that I absolutely hated about this finals and made me look about look at ESPN even worse than I already do is when they try to compare Devin Booker to Kobe Bryant, dude. Listen, oh, you don't like that? Not at all, dude. Like, yeah, they definitely have like Devin Booker stole some stuff from Kobe. Don't get me wrong, but Devin Booker and Kobe Bryant are like. <laughs> not even like they're just I don't like that comparison because what it allowed is Skip Bayless after game six to be like I expected Kelly Bryant to show up and oh, it was like yeah. dude like literally like is this what you do to LeBron James because now I have now you're stop trying to give me more respect for LeBron James like I don't want to <laughs> like LeBron James like I don't dislike him but don't make me like him more because you're an idiot and you're comparing yeah. Devin Booker is not Kobe Bryant like, I'm sorry if I have to, like, burst that bubble for people. Like, oh, he, they man. just don't even play the same way. Like, they have burst a few... my bubble, man. I kind of like it, that comparison. I'm not going to lie. It's garbage, bro. Are you kidding me? 
How why, how like, can you like that? How can you like that? Because you're a hype boy. Are you a hype beast, dude? Did you get your new fucking Yeezys up? <laughs> no Yeezys over here. How was Donda, bro? I heard it didn't even release on time, man. <laughs> I don't know, man. I haven't listened yet. I heard no, some I just, SoundCloud listen, rip off like, of it. We'll I don't like. Don't get me wrong. Like, if you're comparing, like, oh, their mid ranges are similar. Like, oh, he has that same mentality. Dude, their mid range looks exactly the same. Yeah, but it, they don't like get to. <sighs> but you're. It's like saying that. Devin Booker is Michael Jordan, dude. It's like, why would you, why would you compare? Like, you're comparing to someone, someone who is 25 years old, and like, I just think it's too, it's too early to be like, oh, Devin Booker is Kobe Bryant, dude. I just, I thought that was disrespectful of Devin Booker, honestly, because it was like you can't appreciate this guy just for how good he is. It's like you automatically have to compare him to Kobe, who I personally just don't like Kobe. Also, that could be part of this, but. I just I it yeah, I don't know. I thought it was wacky. Fair enough. What push back, I dude? I I don't know, man. I just I I don't hate it cuz like when I just watch their games, I kind of see similarities for sure, but you know, Kobe's Kobe. Kobe's one of the greatest of all time, so Yeah, and, Kobe and also Devin, got Devin is by not, Shaq. not yet at least, but he's Shaq, not. Dude. Kobe got carried by Shaq and Pau Gasol and Andrew Bynum and Meta One Piece. Dude, oh, get out of here. Get out of here. Dude, that Celtics team was weak, bro. That was a weak-ass Celtics team. I would put <laughs> up this Suns team against any Kobe team ever, bro. Don't even come at me, bro. DeAndre, way, so Booker goes for 9-9-5 and versus former teammate Ricky Rubio mm-hmm. in Spain and then has 20 points. It finishes highest plus-minus with plus-25 versus Australia. Obviously, the mm-hmm. French gold medal game is Friday night. Tonight, this pod will not be released until after. Hopefully, Book has another big game, helping KD lead the U.S. to eternal glory. Apparently, Frenchmen are good at basketball. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I didn't realize. Dude, did you? Okay. Excellent switch. Did you find it interesting also how you go from the finals to the Olympic tournament and all of a sudden – all these NBA players are having a tough time getting fouls. And then the NBA decides <laughs> to change their foul rules because it looks so different that people yes. are like, wow, let's get some FIBA refs in the finals. Did you find that interesting as well? I did. I Switching on over. Let's switch on over to uh, NFL football preseason began yesterday. Mm-hmm. The Arizona Cardinals could be the second light after the Phoenix Suns of Arizona sports. Obviously, the D-backs are, in a, are dead. Uh, they've been dead for a while now. Thank God we have the Suns to pull us through. And now we'll have the Arizona Cardinals yet again. Football season is back. Are you excited? Let's go. Yes. I'm let's, very let's excited go. For, the, for our Cardinals, man. It's yeah. going to be a good year. Dude, okay. What do, what do you want? Uh, are you excited for Mr. Cliff Kingsbury on the sidelines? Are you excited for Mr. Kyler Murray and his MVP race? I mean, one a guy that could get five thousand passing yards, a thousand rushing yards. Are you ex- excited for uh, Patrick Peterson to be gone? Are you excited for JJ Watt, Chandler Jones? Like, what what stands out to you heading into the season? Bro, all of that, everything you just said. I I am so excited for this lineup, dude. Our wide receiver core is nuts, I feel like. 
Agreed. I agree. Dude, excellent point. I mean, D Hop by himself. And then you add in perennial pro, pro bowler who isn't even injury prone, just had a bad, mm-hmm. tough yep. time with injuries on the Cincinnati Bengals, a fucking wasteland. AJ Green, team. baby. AJ Green. Then you added Rondell Moore. If Indy Isabella's alive, he'll be there. And Christian Kirk, I mean, that's a hot squad, not to mention the two running backs back there. You got James Conner, and then the other guy. Well, we got Chase Edmonds, and we got Chase Inu Edmonds. Benjamin. And Inu and Benjamin, that's right. I can't forget about the ASU boys. I respect ASU, that. that's right. That's right. So I'm, I'm a little more concerned about the running back core, but at the same time, Kyler's a running back. So who cares? Like – I'm I'm not that worried. Our offense is just going to be something insane. And then honestly, I feel really good about our defense this year too. Like I think the whole Isaiah Simmons thing is going to develop into something great this year. I like the idea of Zayvon Collins. I'm excited to see what happens there. Do you like the fact um, that he speeds hundred miles an hour on like some Navajo roads? Do you like that? Fucking love it, dude. <laughs> I love, I love how in the draft, Oh, dude, I was so stoked on that when I found out that there was, like, no drugs or, like, alcohol, and he was just speeding, like, really fast. I was like, just, that's the guy. Yeah. I was like, that's 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 the guy. I'm cool with dude, that. Too bad Don Toretto didn't pull up right next to him, you know, because they would have been <laughs> family for sure. I love it, dude. I, I don't know. I'm pretty stoked on those guys. And, like, of course, J.J. Watt is going to be so fun. Like, I mean, we'll see if he – he'll get healthy. But, um, dude, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good season, and like our only our only hope is that Cliff Kingsbury can call good calls um, and <laughs> delegate oh, out to. Are yeah. you on that train as well? I I might not. I don't think I've realized that you were on the Cliff Kingsbury needs to step the f up train. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, man. I'm. Uh, I don't think he's really shown us a whole lot yet, so I'm pretty excited to see. Oh, let's go! If he can step up. And I, think nah, that's I didn't realize you had thing. such good Cardinals takes, bro. We're going to have to bring you up on the pod all the time, <laughs> dude. Cliff Kingsbury needs to step be cool. up. I think, I think that's cool. a great point, yeah. though, dude. And I think this year specifically, he has literally no excuse. Oh, he has no excuse whatsoever. Like, there's no excuse the to throw year. up a zero in the first quarter of any game because you have two pro bowlers. You got James mm-hmm. Conner, who, when healthy, is an elite. He's a top ten running back. Will he be that guy on our team? I don't know. But you also got Chase, Chase Edmonds, weapon. Then you weapon. got Christian Kirk, if Fitz comes back. Do you think it's weird that Fitz has literally not said anything? I was about to ask you. I was like, do we still not know? We we don't. We it's still crazy. don't know. Yeah. Literally, the, the final it, comment on it is, if Larry Fitzgerald shows up, he has a roster spot, is what is what is where we are right now. Still at that spot? That's, That's where like we're at. Whole, what, like five, six months now? Yeah. Yeah, literally this whole pod. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll take it if we can get him. Of course, I mean, I want that guy on the team. But um, what do you think yeah, of? Dude. Do you think of uh, number one PFF ranked center Rodney Hudson, a guy with zero penalties last year, and a guy who has only allowed five sacks in the last three seasons as the starting center for Kyler Murray? How does that make you feel? It <laughs> makes me feel pretty good, man. Stud, stud. I think, man, I'm just excited, dude. Honestly, it's just good to be football season. Like, I was so invested into basketball and then, like, got my heart broken, turned into an F1 guy for about three or four weeks. How is that? Oh, F1's been great, but now I'm ready for some football. So, okay. 
David Ricardo <laughs> can't sustain you. Is that what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Okay. Although there was a huge wreck. So I feel like that probably held your attention oh, for a couple man, of weeks. Man, we, we, we can talk about F1 whenever you want, man. I've learned so much in the last three or four weeks. But uh, okay. Um, I'll, I'll, stay, I'll stay on subject or on topic for now. But uh, man, dude, I, the, the Cardinals are going to be fun this year. It's gonna be a good year. Do you, do you have you seen any of the Zayman Collins uh, Jordan Hicks situation where Jordan Hicks got called mm-hmm. up after being a starter last year and uh, Steve Combs just said, "Yeah, you can't even compete for this job." Yeah, I saw that, and I think there was some contract, you know, stuff that Hicks was kind of pissed about too. Um, I think he got kind of uh, gypped he, a little bit. He or took something pe- like he that. took a peg to the cut, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's what it was. So, yeah, I get it. I'd probably be pissed too, but I don't know. I don't really care that much because, honestly, our linebacking – our linebackers are pretty sick. Like Isaiah Simmons yeah. and Zayvon Collins. Do you like those two? Do they look good? Yeah, we got Marcus Golden, Chandler Jones. Like, I don't know. I'm not – Okay. I, I feel pretty good about our – The pass rush. You're on it. Yeah, I'm about it. So Okay. What about the corners? Do you think Patrick Peterson's a big loss or do you think that – the guys that we got in there with Byron Murphy um, and uh, the, the – oh, my gosh, Malcolm Butler. And then the, um, the other guy that hasn't played a snap but has been on the team for two years. Do you think that they're, those corners are going to hold up with Buddha back? I mean, Buddha is the general. Oh, let's be Buddha, honest. Buddha, man. Let's go. Yeah. Over under, uh, Buddha sends three helmets flying this year. Over under three. Oh, over absolutely absolutely Just slam the over let's yeah. go <laughs> I, th- uh, I think that's fashion. i don't know man well. our corner situation is probably you know middle middle of the nfl but um we'll, we'll see I, that i don't i'm not super sure on honestly we'll see how that shakes out okay i think how i you feel about to, it to me like the biggest thing is um on paper we look real real nice and so I think the biggest thing is what does the reality look like of the situation? Because we did sign a good amount of old guys. And so I do think that AJ Green, though, could legitimately be comeback player of the year mm-hmm. this year in the NFL if he just has like if he just stays healthy. I think his biggest thing on the Bengals was either he had no one throwing to him. I mean, you gotta keep in mind, Kyler Murray's literally the best quarterback he's ever had as a quarterback. Absolutely. And that, that hurts me to say because Andy Dalton is a TCU legend and he was actually like a legitimately <laughs> oh, above average starter in the NFL. But Kyler Murray has like prodigious quarterback talent. Um, and so AJ Green is going to be more open this year than he has ever been in his entire life with D Hop on the other side. Yeah. And Rondell Moore, if he stays healthy, because he's small and like I, he's had some injury issues as well. If James Conner stays healthy, and I don't, I don't even know if he goes back to Steelers, James Conner, but if he's just like solid, a healthy running game in that first half of last year was when Kyler Murray was just another level. You know, when he was the MVP candidate, he had a solid run game. Uh-huh. And I think we've, and so. And then defense is just, you know, who stays healthy, who doesn't. I mean, at a certain point, NFL season is all about injuries. So, and Rodney Hudson in the front, dude, I think he is by far the best acquisition we've made so far this entire offseason. Because of all the Over things. JJ? 
Oh, for sure. I mean, Ronnie Hunt is the best center in the league, bro. I And I respect the JJ take because I think JJ is going to have a massive impact. But even JJ needs to stay healthy, bro. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think Rodney Hudson, one, has shown that he's durable. Two, because he's a center, like you got to think about what a center does, right? He protects mm-hmm. the quarterback. Mm-hmm. So what, what, everything that comes with that is like shifting the linemen, you know, picking up blitzes, you know, snapping the ball to Tyler Murray, not getting a penalty and putting Tyler Murray in a bad position. You know, also on top of that, centers double team on the runs, which opens up the run game more too. I think – Rodney Hudson could do a lot for the Cardinals here, and he's gonna be an unsung hero. He's like the guy. He's he he he'll get no glory, but he's gonna have an impact for sure. And so I just want to. That's just the life of an offensive lineman. It is (laughs) never get the glory. It for sure is, and I think that the saving Collins, um, Isaiah Simmons linebacking core is gonna be something to watch this year. Those are definitely my big three takeaways. Big year for AJ Green, Rodney Hudson. And then the linebacker in core. And then well, what? Is it the year of Colt McCoy too? Oh my God. What do you mean by that? I hope not. Fuck. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> I hope no, that's going to be juicing up the sideline, field. man. He's I hope that's juicing man, up our sideline. I hope that man retires, dude. Like, I hope he doesn't play another snap in the NFL as long as he's on the Cardinals. Don't scare me like that, dude. I'm still rooting for him. That's good, man. But, hey, that's actually a perfect segue. I mean, I think we're just jacked about the Cardinal situation. Obviously, we got to start doing our due diligence for the fantasy draft coming up here. Um, mm-hmm. I do expect to hopefully pick Kyler Murray as my quarterback, but that seems unlikely based off Ooh. all the other fantasy teams and talented general managers in our league. I don't expect him to fall to me, considering I pick like tenth or eleventh every fucking time. It's bullshit. But anyways, <laughs> um, flipping this script off that is, um, you know, just not to go too deep because we don't really have a huge audience for it. But the Arizona Coyotes um, mm. are thinking about potentially trying to build a stadium in Tempe. One, <laughs> do you like it? Two, do you love it? Three, like, how wonderful would that be? Love it, love it. Um, just knowing kind of where development's kind of at with phoenix and everything uh i think putting a stadium over in that area is very good uh for the team okay uh, good for the city you know just driving the way the fuck out there to glendale to go to a game is just so shitty and like i have to, i don't know if this is true but i have to assume that a lot of the fan base is probably over in like scottsdale it's east um, valley yeah 100 percent. it's got to be east valley and that just kind of comes from money, I would assume. Well, it's, um, it's a combo of factors. Like, I, I wouldn't say just that, but also, like, the the ice dens over there, Oceanside's East Valley, like, yeah. just kind of more of more where... hockey over there. It's just kind of where more... Like, there's a Peoria rink, which is West Side, but, it's like, most of the hockey is, like, in the East Valley. Like, I get that the West Side is, like, growing and stuff in Phoenix right now, but, you know... You want to be in the streets over the abs, as uh, Bender would <laughs> Bender would say. <laughs> Dude, I respect that. But well, I was just curious too. Is like, have you? Do you like? I mean, especially with like the thing, the what you do for work and stuff. Do you think that they could build like the a Coyote Stadium close enough to like Mill Ave and like everything that's happening in Tempe? 
that and like even close enough to Old Town Scottsdale where you could draw like ASU students and you could draw like, um, you know, a younger crowd. Cause like if you could mm-hmm. just have ASU students showing up for dollar beer Dude. nights or whatever, like that packs out your stadium almost like exclusively if you can get like fraternity sorority events and then just kind of like, what do you think of that? Like, what do you think of that type of thing? Do you think that's possible? I think it's great. And like, yeah, I, and I think it is possible. Like you look at the Phoenix Rising and their stadiums like right off, uh, what is it, the 60 over there? Or did I get that right? Yeah, somewhere over there. And it's like, it's not far from the campus. Um, well, and they're trying to move Sorry. too, dude. That's an interesting. Oh, I didn't know that, but okay, we'll talk. We'll touch on that separately. But yeah, I like the. I like how it's like right by ASU. Like I think having all those students there is like, it's huge. And if you could tap into, you know, that Phoenix Suns fandom to any extent, mm-hmm. like you, I don't know that you're selling out like a Wednesday at seven, but you're gonna be have a lot more people coming through the stadium. Yeah, look, I'm not like a huge hockey guy by any means at all, but like you know if i put myself in like college mat shoes and like if they have you know those student nights and stuff i'm there you know like i'm drinking beers in the stadium and and having fun and like bringing all my friends and like i can see like all those different clubs and fraternity events and whatever like over at the stadium like that would just be i think great for the coyotes so i don't know i i love it but uh, i like that i like that no dude because i feel like that's the big thing that i feel like you know, me and Bruner touched on this earlier with kind of like the D-backs fandom situation. And I feel like something that the Suns really have been able to tap into is like just building a community of fans where it's like, you know, mm-hmm. it's not even just about – because the Sun, like the Suns have never won a title. Like technically the D-backs are a more successful franchise because they've actually won a World Series. But yet Phoenix Suns basketball is a way bigger deal. And yeah. I'm not saying you're going to do that with hockey in the desert necessarily, like to the extent the Suns are. But if you can like build build it out, like how you know Nashville is with their Predator Stadium, or how it's right off Broadway, and like mm-hmm. you, that you have the party right there, and then you roll to the game, and then roll back out, or even Wrigley, how it's like there's a whole thing around it. It's like if you can build something really close to Tempe, where you already have a bunch of kids that want to have a good time and do stuff on the weekends. It's close to Scottsdale. It's like, if you it helps build up ASU hockey too. It's like ASU yeah. hockey and Arizona Coyotes hockey. Like you don't want them to directly go together by any means, but like you want them, like that's how you build up like the hockey fan base to a degree is like get. Yeah. Cause ASU hockey's on the up and up. I mean, you got second round pick Josh Doan going to play ASU hockey. Yeah, dude, I remember being in t- outside looking in, casual AZ sports fan. Outside of the Suns, obviously. The Suns were <laughs> diehard. Um, and cards. And cards. <sighs> dude, I apologize. Absolutely. Kyler Murray, dude, I've been day one since he <laughs> – dude. Exactly. Um, what do you think – have you kept the tabs on the Coyotes hockey at all? Any uh, Anything that you've noticed or has it just been MIA to you? MIA man, I'm sad to admit it, but it's just, okay. uh, just kind of where it's been at. I respect it. I respect it. Well, bring um, it to Tempe, and I'm there, <laughs> dude. I <laughs> see. I feel like that's so funny, though. I I love that sentiment, though, because that's something that I feel like on the East Coast and in the Midwest that 
that Arizona just has not figured out with their sports teams is that you kind of want like where Old Town Scottsdale kind of is, where it's like that mm-hmm. whole nightlife situation. Like you want to put a stadium as close to that as possible, because yeah. what do people like? Tuesday night games are tough for anybody to make. That's why football does so well because it's one day a week. It's like yeah. you can do one day a week like anywhere. But when you have like 60-plus games, 80-plus games that you have to go to and you have like Tuesday games and Wednesday games and Thursday games, it's like you need as many people there on your weekend games as possible. And like what better than to like go to a Coyotes game before you go out? Yeah, I preach. I totally agree with you. And so I just I think it's so interesting because even the D backs like are bad at that too. From my, I don't know ASU student, did you have a different experience? Like, did you have anything happen at D back stadium? No, never. It it could have been done much better, honestly. Because I feel like especially with that down the way the downtown's built up, it's just like you know like that. I wonder if I mean, people want to go do stuff, yeah. dude. Like, I wonder if they're doing. I wonder if they're doing better with that now, just because downtown has gotten a lot cooler in Phoenix, and like I mean, the light rails there. So, like, I wonder if more students are going now than when I was at school. I don't know. That would be interesting to figure out. But I just have always found that interesting, especially like since I moved out of Arizona, mm-hmm. and like you kind of, you know, like obviously Dallas Fort Worth is huge on the Cowboys, and that's a little bit of a drive, but like. You go to like Chicago, that stuff's like embedded. You go anywhere on the East Coast, like all these stadiums are like embedded into the city. It's like, like you could just go to like even in DC, it's like you go to a Nationals game, like just mm-hmm. like because it's like that's what you would do. Actually, Connor, that that brings me, I was going to ask you. Um, so, based on you've lived in a lot of places now, like you've lived, you've been Texas Cuse, Cali Cuse, Chi Town Cuse, Capo Cuse, like, do you, when you move to these places, do you find yourself, you know, picking up a team or, or two in these different locations and kind of rooting for them? Well, I mean, Arizona sports are always first. I think absolutely. This is, this is where I get fun of, though, for like when they make fun of me for like wearing my Blackhawks jersey, <laughs> is because like my like my second hockey team would be like the Blackhawks. I understand, but it's always Coyotes first, or it's always. D-backs first. It's always um, Suns first. It's always Cardinals first. But, yeah, dude, for sure. Like, um, it's tough. I mean, except for the Cowboys. Don't get me wrong. I would never cheer yeah. for the Cowboys. Yeah, fuck like, the Cowboys. Dude. dude, literally, like, Cowboys fans are the worst human people on the face of the earth. They're like Dodgers fan equivalents. Um, but, yeah, dude, I mean, like, Cubs, White Sox were just cool to go to. Because I feel like – and that's kind of what I mean. Like, what I'm saying here is, like, it, a lot of times it's more about, like, the experience – of like going to do that because I just uh-huh. really like sporting events, and so yeah, like absolutely. So like going to a Cubs game at Wrigley, it's like both like super historical because uh-huh. that's where Babe Ruth called his shot. Just for example of how far oh, like yeah. the history goes back at some of these places, and then it's like, but then there's also like that's what you do. Like you go out on Wrigley, like and then you go to the game or you go to the game and then go out on Wrigley, or it's like the White Sox games. Um, but, I mean, it's just, you know, if you're, like, watching baseball in another place, it's like, well, you kind of have to watch that team because more than realistically, like, that's what's happening. But that's why I get, like, MLB TV or, like, I like I get other streams. So, I always watch the – I always watch the D-backs. I always watch I just, the cards. Stuff like you're that. grounded. You're grounded. And I think that's important. But I think it's uh, fair to, you know, go live in a city and, you know, once you start – 
understanding their culture, their people and their sports and everything to kind of pick up and, and to be somewhat of a fan, always secondary to, you know, your, your true fandom, which is well, Phoenix sports. But it's like, just like, it's just like, if you want to go tailgate, well, like I, I don't, I'm going to really be a Redskins fans here, but I've gone to like a ton of nationals games this summer. Yeah. And so it's like, so like I have like a nationals t-shirt that I have. Yeah. And like she like that. Um, that I've just picked up because it's just like, you know, if you want to watch baseball in DC, it's like the only people who are watching baseball in that's DC it. are national yeah. fans. Yeah, that's it. And so, well, like I'm a, I'm a San Diego goals, minor league hockey team fan after see, living in San Diego. That's so I picked up that team as a legend, Le- legit team, legit, <laughs> legit team. I mean, <laughs> Friday it's... beer nights, man. Game over. How, how fun is minor league hockey though? I know you're not a coyotes guy, but that's what I mean. Like, what if they did, like, with all the cool shit that yeah. the Bulls did and they just brought it to Arizona? Like, wouldn't you be, like, way more being, down to go to Coyotes game? Being Kahita in our fantasy league, he bought a $90 minor league <laughs> jersey in one of those games. Like That's ridiculous. Yeah. They're, they're so fun. But I was thinking, like, for DC, have you considered being a fan of the uh, Washington Mystics? I was thinking, uh, you know, some WNBA might be a cool thing for you to kind of pick up over there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so good, dude, bro. No way, man. <laughs> Come on, man. Although I will say, you got a root for him, dude. You should get really into him. Tearing it up for the U.S. Women's I should find you some team. podcasts. Nah, dude. I listen, like I still have to go to a, a WNBA team, NBA game because I promised the fantasy football league or baseball league i would i forget which um <laughs> it's been a few years now and i still haven't been able to make it it's just tough okay. you know um obviously it's a great it's good hard-nosed basketball but you know it's just sometimes tough to make you know because you know sometimes know, there's man. just more big there's more important things going on which is not a shot you know but you just i i had to google before the pod who the uh who who, who the WNBA team was I for love DC, that. but I love that. No, but I, I would have honestly, even if it wasn't COVID, I definitely would have gone to a Wizards game to see Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. Like that hey, would absolutely tight. that would and I fun. definitely would have gone to see the Capital. I well, they did have Capitals playoff games, but I wasn't going to spend three hundred dollars to go to a Capitals playoffs game. But it was cool, and that's kind of what I mean. It's like I feel like Arizona needs more of that buzz, and I know it's mm-hmm. not like the biggest sports town, but just the way you saw the I don't know man explode, yeah exactly dude. exactly but it just it's feels like, like that's always for it's only for the sun sometimes obviously the cardinals too nah wrong. cardinals cardinals get that but it's ba- it could be bad well it's cuz they're in fucking Quindale for like the for the coyotes like I agree I agree bring it over and I'm I'm a huge fan well and and like you said like the goals games I mean rep it out dude a dollar beer nights like they have but like, right in the middle of San Diego like it's sick you know we went you took yeah me one, dude. it was I know we did shit. And I was like this but is that's what makes hockey. it cool like dude like yeah. listen NHL's tight but my league hockey is legendary bro it's fun to to come on man it's an honor to to talk to you and be on the pod man it's a uh, such a great pod i've just been listening for for months and months so to be part of it is just it's just unreal but shout out to all the boys man i miss them all and i appreciate it man and uh i hope you enjoy the rest of your friday night even though there's not much of it for you over there on the east coast but uh 
Uh, hey, bro, right listen now, here, man. man. The party don't start till I walk in. Come on, now. That's right. That's right, yeah, man. Bro, we... hey, no, but hey, easy, Matt, bro. seriously, though, I appreciate you. I appreciate you guest hosting. And, uh, dude, for the Dry Heat Pod listeners out there, both Bruner and MG Harris have been amazing guests. Appreciate what they've done. Time they've taken out of the day. Uh, shout out to Big Alec trying to get his uh, med school degree. You know, maybe – you know, figure out how to study. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyways, dry heat hot, dry heat pod, baby. Let's go. Let's go. MG. Hey, thanks again, big dog. Take it easy, bro.